Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Divisional round. What a round it was. Some incredible comebacks, some crazy flubs, and a championship weekend that I don't think people were expecting. Chiefs, Titans. How about that? Packers. A little makes a little more sense. Niners in the NFC. Brian Westbrook is always joining me, Adam Lefko. But today I had to bring in Mr. David Ingber. What's going on? Ooh. 33%'s been digging it. But also, we want to try something a little bit different today to get to all the games, but have a little bit more fun. Do you want to explain sort of what we're going to do today? Yeah, we boiled down each game into two burning questions that I'm going to present Hot to the fire. panel of Lefko and Westbrook. And then uh, at the end of each answer, I'm going to determine the winner of each individual round. And I'd like you both to know I am extremely open to bribes. Okay, nice. I'm willing to bribe, too. Also, oh, yeah. before we start each conversation, can we start about each of our experience watching that particular game? Sure. Because I felt like all four were, were kind of different watches. Yeah. By the way, before we get into it, uh, it has been announced that the All or Nothing series, mm-hmm. which is like full season hard knocks on Amazon, is officially coming out Friday, February 7th, which is going to be one week, the Friday after the Super Bowl, starring the Philadelphia Eagles. Ooh. So that had already been announced as the Eagles. And you love All or Nothing, right? Weren't you super into the, the Panthers one? I The Panthers one is pretty good. The Arizona Cardinals one, because it was the first, was the best. They didn't realize how much they were going to show. <laughs> and the GM was like, come to my meeting with the owner. And it's like, that was a bad idea. The Panthers, the first three episodes were great. Because remember, the Panthers two years ago started out great and then lost every game. After that, you could tell it was only game footage and they lost all their access. What are the things, now that the Eagles season is over, that were like Orlando Skandrick? Yes. Seeing him on TV from the player's perspective, that's going to be interesting. Um the mounting of injuries, like, is there ever a time we see, like, the coaching staff or the GM just be like, what the hell is going on with all these injuries I think right the now? the biggest question was, who is the locker room snitch? Who's the guy that's going in the locker room saying that Carson Wentz isn't this, that, and the other? He's not getting it done. Who is that guy? Because right. there was a point in time where the team was underachieving, and then there were a few guys that got hurt. Yes. Stop playing. And then the team took off. What the locker room was like after the Miami loss. What's the response? You know what I mean? Like, what's that going to be like? Uh, my dream is that a clip from this show makes it. The, my dream is Holly Pulley Vaiti Vaiti is like, do you see what Westbrook? They yeah. gave us a funeral. Yes. Like, that's the dream, right? Uh, but they usually end up using, like, good morning football or something like that. But it, I, I've never had an Eagles as a hard knocks or something like this before. It's going to be weird to get that perspective. It'd be interesting. Rarely do you see, and, and listen, you got Doug. So Doug is not one of these guys where he's just going to give you a bunch of crazy no. takes. So I think you'll see a lot of the guys enjoying Doug as a coach. But there was a point in the season you lose to Seattle, you lose to the Patriots, you lose to Miami. Oh. 
there has to be something going on in that locker room at that point. The players only meeting would love to see that. That's what I want to see. That would be great. Apparently, before the week 17, or I think it was one of the big games, Jason Kelsey gave an unprompted speech. Must have been Dallas game. I think it was Dallas. I do love an unprompted locker room speech. And apparently it just shut the place down. And I need that because Kelsey really, like you think about who are going to be the stars. Could it be Boston Scott? But if Jason Kelsey ends up, he's just the best. He really is. Okay. We're going to start off which game? Texans versus Chiefs, the wildest, maybe the wildest game of our lifetime. That was unbelievable. Emotional swings. Ingber, what was your watching experience like? Uh, It was that feeling of watching Andy Reid on the sideline has the exact same look on his face, whether he's down 24 or up 20. And... It was almost terrifying to watch, like like when uh, you see like Javier Bardem's character in No Country for Old Men. It's just like no matter what's going on, whether it's going well or poorly for him, he's just the exact same guy. And I was thinking if I was a player on the Chiefs, I would be so reassured by this fact. It's it's a little terrifying to watch from a distance, but if I know yes. him and I'm just like, we're down 24, guys. There's about 35 minutes of football left. I yeah. think we'll be fine. I'd be like, yeah, I think we are going to be fine. Yeah. Andy Reid's not freaking out. How about you? We're, I mean, how many doubts did you have when they were down 24 nothing? I was I thought it was over. And I was like, ah, Titans, my guy. Texans, this AFC Championship game stinks. Yeah. <laughs> my guy, Andy Reid, it happens to him again. Mm-hmm. And so I was kind of panicking for him. And then you start to think, before we, I went into all these weekends games, we're like, hey, who's the better quarterback, right? You start there, who has a better team, better quarterback, things yeah. like that, and kind of whittle your way down. And then after that first quarter, you're like, well, doesn't matter who the better quarterback is today because this is a beatdown mm-hmm. in – the better quarterback showed up. It almost felt like a March Madness game when everything's going wrong for the one or the two seed and like the other, like That's the 15 right. seed is just hitting their threes and then all Alley the loose balls dunks. are going and, and the crowd's going crazy. I'm like, well, sometimes you just run yeah. into a buzzsaw. I think it felt even more crazy because the night before with the Titans, it, it had a similar vibe where the Titans got like a blocked punt touchdown and mm. all that stuff. And and that's really how that lead started with the Texans. Blocked punt, uh, Tyreek Tyree Hill, Hill fumbled. fumbled. So it wasn't like the Chiefs defense was getting destroyed. It wasn't like, oh, they're beating him. It was like fluky plays. Drops. Demarcus Robinson drop on that yep. easy third down. Yep. Um, I, when they went down 24 nothing, looked at my friend Jake and I said, let's bet, bet Chiefs money line oh. to win the game outright. I got him at plus 290, which when you say that out loud, you Being go, down 24. how can you be down 24 and it's only plus 290? I got the Eagles. Remember when they were down the Giants by 14? Yes. I got them at plus 425. Wow. And so th- there was l- less faith in the Eagles down 14 than the Chiefs down 24. Against the Giants. C- exactly. Ca- not in the play- not a playoff caliber <laughs> right. team. Yeah. Cash that one when it was, I did not expect them though to, to outscore them fifty-one to seven the rest of the game. But I will say this: when they put up down, I think it was like fourteen nothing or twenty-one nothing. They put up a stat: Chiefs are one and eight in home playoff games. I think it was so important for the the Chiefs to sort of feel what it was like to go. Oh no, here it comes again. I really think if the Chiefs would have gone out there and just won 51-31 in a shootout, they mm-hmm. go, oh, it's the new era. But I think it's important for some fan bases and teams to go, oh, no, it's happening again, and then to overcome it. Because I don't even know if this is coming out later, but I was just saying, like, if, if you have a fear of spiders, you don't avoid spiders the rest of your life. You need to have one 
put it on your hand, realize it's not going to hurt you to eventually overcome it. And I think it was important for Chiefs fans to go, oh, no, and then for Patrick Mahomes to go, this isn't Alex Smith. This isn't Trent Green. This isn't Steve Bono or Joe Montana. I'm fucking Patrick Mahomes, and I got you for the next decade. You don't got to worry about this anymore. I think it was important for them to really overcome that. I, I think it was important, not for this game, I think as far as the long run, for this playoff series and obviously the AFC championship game and the Super Bowl, it may be important for them to feel that because right. to be down, they, they can't do that again. Titans jump out 14 nothing. Chiefs are going, okay. Right. Okay. It's whereas good to whereas have that if feeling. you were up that whole Texans game, you're going, oh no, 14 nothing. They got Derrick Henry. Now it's like, nah. But that analogy was terrible. And I'm going to tell you why. <laughs> if you're scared of snakes, you're avoiding snakes. No, no, no like, matter what. You're not trying to I'm not trying to get over my fear of snakes. I just want to keep away from them. Are you I don't want them of snakes? I'm not. But my mother absolutely is. And so my kids, they all know that. So what they do is they bring the toy snakes in. They put snakes on the TV. She goes crazy. Come on in here. And she goes in and sees a snake on the TV. Goes absolutely old, nuts. Old bad Hates little it. Brian again. <laughs> Brian being crazy again. Yeah. So I mean that's no, you don't. You don't have to face your fear. I also had an issue with that analogy you because don't like it. no, no. I, I I understand the idea of exposure therapy. Yes. That if you're scared of heights, you should go to the top of a tall building and say, "I am fine. I am okay. I can do this." Yeah. But with snakes or something or a spider, if you hold a spider and then that spider bites you and oh, you have to like goodness. chop off your hand because you got the venom, it's like that was the reason why I had a very rational fear well, of nobody, spiders. Nobody, will even if it just moves, spider. <laughs> yeah. No, you get one of those like non-venomous tarantulas. <laughs> well, then it's like you're not really facing your fear. You're doing some sort of control experiment. Yeah. Completely unrelated. What is your biggest fears? Wow. Not existential, <laughs> dying, dying meaningless. No, but like, do you have anything? Like, I get freaked out by spiders. My fiance one time, there was like a millipede on the wall. It's like if I'm not expecting it, I'm not like deathly afraid, but I saw it and I like kind of got into like a boxing yeah. stance. And I was like, I'm going to fuck you up. Like to the spider. I'm kind of like that with mice though. Like, I mean, I, I just, oh. I'm not scared. Like I, I can be around if I was in, my wife was around and I needed just man up to do it. I'll do it. But just me and the mouse, I'd be like, yeah, I'm good. Just, I'm out. I have one, and I regret having told my wife this like seven years ago. Nice. Uh, anytime I go into a bathroom and there's an opaque shower curtain, I think there's a murderer behind that shower curtain. Ah. I'm just, I just, psycho. I, I, even if I'm in someone else's house, you know, and I'm using their shower, yeah. I will look behind their shower curtain, which is why I have a translucent shower curtain in my, my fear, apartment. My fear. I like that one. It's weird. It's like irrational, that. but I always think there's a murderer. You got to stop watching those movies. The movies that make you think that. My other fear is going to jail. Ooh. Yeah. It's not like, good. like something happens where they're like, Adam, you're under arrest for the murder of John. And I was like, I wasn't even there. And then it's like, I still got to go to jail. And that like fresh fish. I'm like, ah, fuck. Shawshank Redemption is your biggest I, fear. I yes. watched yeah. Shawshank Redemption this weekend on the plane ride to Panama. Watch Shawshank Redemption. Fresh fish. I forget how brutal those first 20 minutes are where you're just uh, watching him. Just He's drunk, but it's not his fault, and he doesn't know how to defend himself. Oh, yeah. it's just brutal. It's bad. Yeah. And then the queens come out. But wait, you had you had like a flight. Flight. You chose. Like, the flight is always when I look at it and go, this is my opportunity to watch movies that have come out in the last year that I missed in theaters. <laughs> that, <laughs> yeah. But you went Shawshank, well, which you probably watched a million times in your I've life. I've seen Shawshank a million times. You're right. One of my favorite movies. But on, on Copa, we rode on, right? And so they don't have, they, they say these are the latest movies, but obviously these are not <laughs> late. These movies came out in the latest of the 90s, maybe. But yeah, they, they weren't great choices there. So I watched Shawshank Redemption. I watched Toys 
three, whatever the heck it was with my son. Toy is the movie with Robin Williams and LL Cool J? No. Toy Story. Uh, toy, no, is it Cars? Is it to- car- it's Cars or Toy Story? Maybe Toy. I thought it was Toys. Maybe it's Cars. He kept on calling it Toys. I called it Toys. <laughs> Maybe it's Cars. Maybe well, You're cars. talking about a Pixar movie. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah either Toy Cars. cars. Yeah. <laughs> One of the two. Yeah, it, was, <laughs> it was boring. So, I mean, I'm watching him yell at the dog on screen. What else did I watch? I watched something else. Wait, you were yelling at the screen on an airplane? No, my son was, yes. And he's, he's thinking it's an iPad, so he's pressing it, and he's getting mad because he can't move things. This kid, man. He's a wild kid. I'm bad just, Brian. I'm seeing Brian. I'm just I've seen clips of like little two year olds that are like trying to zoom in on a magazine page because yeah. they're used to playing with <laughs> yeah. an iPad. It's yep. like terrifying. All right. I watched some old Western with Clint Eastwood and. Um, what is this guy's name? Uh, Morgan Freeman. Mm. It was actually pretty good. You guys, you guys got to watch westerns. You don't. You're too young for a western. Morgan Freeman and Clint Eastwood. Morgan Freeman. All right, Clint, I'm gonna look and it Gene up. Hackman. <laughs> Gene Hackman was in there too. All right, you, Unforgiven. I'll look it up. That was from Matt in the back. You asked the first question. We'll let Westbrook go first. All right, the About first, Chiefs Texans. The first question is the one that's on everyone's mind. Was the Texans collapse after leading by 24 points more the offense's fault, Unforgiven. the defense's fault, or Bill O'Brien's fault? Wow. Well, I, I'll, I'll say this. Let, let's start here. Defensively, they, they were okay early on, but. Really, the Chiefs were just making some mistakes. You had the black, the block punt. You had the fumble with, with Tyreek Hill in the back and the drops. So that was nothing that the defense was just doing that was just so great that was stopping this offense. They really, they kind of stopped themselves with the they bad protection. Uh, you also got to look at the fact that you have drops early. With, and it's weird because it's Chiefs have had a lot of drops throughout the season. Even though they score a bunch of points, they drop a lot of balls. Travis Kelsey in particular drops more balls than I thought he did. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I've seen that throughout the year. And so, and then he caught 10 straight. And then, and then he just goes off. By right. a tight end in the history exactly. of the playoffs. By the way, so, we're arguing right now. Okay, well, there you go. So I don't, I don't know that... <laughs> Reclaiming my time. I don't know that I thought the Texans' defense was going to come out and stop this offense, period. The offense stopped himself. That's number one, right? So th- there's that. I think that you certainly could... Blame some things on Bill O'Brien as far as a fourth down call, not making that decision to go for it. You're up big. Why not? You know, put them in a bad position. They ended up kicking the field goal. I think it was with 24 zip, 24 3 at that point. 24 0, yeah. And, and so, it, it, why not? You know, try to take advantage of them, kick them while they're down. Mm-hmm. You know, kind of one of those old things we, we read about it in the, the 48 Laws of Power. You know, once you have a guy down, Make sure he never gets up again. And they didn't have, they had that opportunity. They did not do that there. You know, it's this team, this Texas team in particular, just has been so up and down. They've been really, really good. Then they've been really, really bad. And this game, they weren't bad. They weren't good, but they put up 31 points. At some point, your defense is going to have to make a stop. At some point, you're going to say, hey, you know, um, you can't score on us seven straight times. At some point, your defense has to be able to say that. And so I, 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 it's, it's, I'm not saying one. I'm saying that Bill O'Brien, you start there. But defensively, you can't give up 51 points in the playoffs, period. To no, no matter who it's to. You can't do that. They gave up 51 points after being up 24. So I, I probably would go Bill O'Brien and the defense. Your offense figure out a way to get 31. Mm-hmm. Well, Mr. Ingber, first thing I'd like to say is Bill O'Brien, the decision-making to not go for fourth and inches – But to go for the fake punt on your own 30, I like the aggressiveness. I think his timing was poor. 
If you're going to go for one of those, you go for the fourth and inches. You don't go for the fake punt after you've allowed a touchdown on a very emotional kick return by me, Cole Hardman. But I would say this, Mr. David Ingber. Thank you. Who's also a Patriots fan. That is my full name, Mr. David Ingber. Mr. David Edward Ingber. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. David Stefan Ingber. Did I tell you my middle name? Emmanuel. It's William. My initials are DWI. Nice. It's like this like weird, funny joke of my parents. One of the most frustrating things <laughs> about Man. the Falcons-Patriots Super Bowl to me and the 28-3 comeback was the incessant need to blame it all on the fact that Kyle Shanahan threw on second down in the final drive and not the fact that the, the Falcons' defense allowed 35 consecutive points as though that one decision was greater than the lack of ability to stop. The fact that the Texans and secondary was completely injured. And the fact that they made two pickups this season, one trading for Gary and Conley and one picking up Vernon Hargraves after he was cut so that they didn't have to play Lonnie Johnson. And then in this playoff game matched Lonnie Johnson up man to man on Travis Kelsey and Travis Kelsey had one of the greatest tight end performances in playoff history. That to me is the issue. The fact that Romeo Cornell didn't blitz, didn't adjust and couldn't find a way that to me is the issue. But also I don't really want to blame the Texans for anything. And that's really my answer. My answer is the fact that one of the greatest offensive teams we've ever seen assemble in terms of speed just happened to show you the ceiling of their potential. Mm -hmm. Instead of spending today going, look, when the Texans were up 24 to nothing, I heard people saying Andy Reid should be let go. At the end of the game, Bill O'Brien should be fired. Those two things existing in a vacuum cannot come from the same exact game. What we saw yesterday was the greatest assembly of speed on full display. I believe that we blame nothing. I believe that we give all the credit to the Chiefs. But if you're blaming anything, it goes on the defensive coaching staff for the Texans and their lack of talent. Thank you both for your answers. Uh, I'll be back in two hours after we deliver. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, after, after carefully considering both of your answers, I'm going to give this round to Westbrook because Westbrook answered my prompt without getting cute about it by saying, I said, what was, who's at fault, A, B, or C? And you said, it's none of the above. It's the, it's the Chiefs. All, all credit to the Chiefs. Your bias <laughs> we're, towards Brian and your friendship. First of all, we're best friends. So that's where you, you picked the wrong judge. Boom, we're best friends. So out of here, buddy. It's nice, nice shirt you have on today, too. Man. But it is, uh, what, what I really got from that game, though, yesterday was, it's, it's like when you get really angry at somebody that you already don't like, and they did something really, really small. Everybody hates Bill O'Brien. They don't think they're good. They're ready to leap on they, any— As yeah. soon as they lost the lead, they're like, Bill O'Brien should be fired. It's like, hey, yeah. Bill O'Brien coaches the offense. Like, what did you want him to go into halftime and go, hey— I know that Miko Harmon runs a 4-3 and Sammy Watkins runs a 4-3. And, and, and uh, by the way, Travis Kelsey and Tyree Kill, stop them. Like, no, that's you know, not what was supposed to happen. You know what they did with Kelsey. So they double teamed him at times. They played man-to-man at times. They played zone at times. And he found a way to beat all three yes. of those. And that's just a reflection of, to your earlier point, I'm just better than you. And no matter what you do, it doesn't matter. I'm still going to get – Michael Jordan is still going to get 30 points because he's better than you. He's better than what you put on the field. And that's what Travis Kelsey was yesterday. He was better than you. And, of course, 
Here's the thing. Patrick Mahomes is the most talented quarterback we've seen in the history of the NFL. It's Lamar, like we forgot this year. Lamar Jackson was because the most he dominant had four quarterback. four or five weeks where it wasn't an injury that was notable. Right. It was just a bum ankle. It was just hampering yes. him just yes. a little bit. And then even the games that he missed, Matt Moore was good. Yeah. But now he's fully healthy and he's rested. And, and we're like, everybody's oh, right. healthy. This is the guy that threw 50 touchdowns last year. And it's, he's just another fucking level. And, and Watson played well. But just, just think about this. So, again, Lamar Jackson was dominant this year. Yes. No one can stop him. But they don't have – the Ravens don't have a, the same type of firepower as the Chiefs. They can score in bunches yeah. four yes. or five times in a row. Well, they're an offense that is based around the run. Yes. And the Chiefs are an offense that are based around the pass. That's right. And so we'll get to this later, but with Lamar Jackson, when you have a deficit – you're in it's, it's not the same thing. Your offense just isn't built that way. With Mahomes, it's like, oh, four wide receivers, that's how we live. This is what we wanted to do anyway. Yeah, exactly. If Lamar's down, you're scrambling. Like, I don't know how we're going to come back. With Patrick Mahomes, you're like, oh, this is perfect. Yeah. Just throw the ball 35 times and not pressure him. They had one dog on sack yesterday. That's not going to be good enough for the Texans' defense. you got to figure out something different, whether it's a blitz, whether it's you know something different to do against Mahomes because what you were doing yesterday can't be yeah. the answer. The craziest right. graphic was that was after their like third touchdown and they showed they had like six drives and they'd only touched the ball for five and a half minutes. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, wait, how is that even possible? It was, it was like it was like nine plays. Yeah. Born fast. And it man, you know, I, I know that like analytics people have talked about how momentum isn't real. But when it's like moving like that, you're like, this feels like a real thing. That was some like throwback arrowhead crazy crowd, like, how do you go in there and win? I was upset that Bill O'Brien didn't go for it on fourth and inches, not because what he should have done to to go up four scores instead of three scores. I was upset that I wanted them to overcome a deficit of 28, Mm -hmm. not a deficit of 24, Mm. to go higher on that graphic and to match, like, the Oilers and stuff. I was like, oh, they. I wish you were up 35. They would have overcome that, too. I heard a comment that Bill O'Brien mentioned in the press conference. I don't know whether it was today or yesterday. He was like, they said, why didn't you go for it? He was like, well, I just didn't have the perfect play for that situation. And I'm like, what? You don't have a fourth and one with Deshaun Watson play? Uh, My biggest issue is if the play clock is winding down, and then you call a timeout and then kick a field goal, which is what they did. If you don't have the perfect play when we go to commercial break, that means it doesn't exist on the card. You don't have and it. that means that you didn't come up with any good plays. I feel like they week. called two timeouts in a row. Didn't did also, they call two timeouts? You have in a row Deshaun then? Watson and they don't have Chris Jones. He was inactive. Yeah. QB Sneak. Give me a QB sneak. Give me a rollout. Give me something Deshaun Watson. Just put the ball in his hands. Yeah, You've got at man. least a 60% chance of picking up one one yard. What was your second question? The second question I'll is a simple one. i to overcome this super bias. <laughs> should Andy Reid, we're looking forward now, should Andy Reid let the Titans score three touchdowns in the first five minutes of the game <laughs> this weekend to make sure that Patrick Mahomes reaches? No, I'm just kidding. That would <laughs> be a, a funny move, though. That would be a good. Yeah, go ahead. Just, just, just to see what he's capable of. No, this and question. It, but think about it. If they scored and then they showed Andy Reid on the sidelines smiling uh-huh. like this, you would have to ask that. You'd be like, oh, fuck. Are a little they smirk under hand? his mustache. Yeah. yeah. No, the real question we do get back because you men- both of you mentioned the some of the drops early on in the games. Yes. You're a player. You're a commentator. I want to know from your thoughts. Was that jitters? Was that rust from the bye week? Or was that simply nothing we should read into? Well, again, we, we've seen this before with the Chiefs. We've seen them drop the football. In, in the past and throughout the season, we've seen them have games where they put up 35 points, but there were drives within that game where they just had a bunch of drops. And so I think, 
you know, unfortunately, it's probably a combination of both. A little bit of the rest time that they had off, which in some people's theory, you talk about Baltimore having almost three weeks off. You can make the argument that they had too much rest. Mm. But the rest period plays a part in it. But the playoffs are different. It's a different animal. And if you're not ready for it, and I think this team is a veteran team, so they should be ready for it. But there are times in the playoffs, even when you're down, even when things aren't going your way, things you just don't feel normal. You don't feel right. And as a player, you're kind of looking the ball in. And all, all season, it's just normal. You're just doing your normal thing. Because things are so magnified in this game, uh, win or go home, then you start to think, uh, you try to, thinking. You want to think your way through it instead of just being natural and doing it. And I think that's what happened to this team because they they caught on. They figured it out in second, third quarter. They, they went on a run and just were unstoppable. But I think it's a combination of the rust and a little bit of the playoff jitters. There was nothing that the Texans were doing that made that first quarter and a half happen. It wasn't nothing that they were doing. It was everything that the Chiefs were doing wrong that allowed that to happen for them to go up big. And at that point, uh, it just looked like they figured things out. That rust was kind of gone at that point. Can yeah. I ask a question to him? Of course. Before I go? Okay. There's, there's no format to any of this. Um, <laughs> just, you can't ask you me are, a question you and are, solidify no, your no, argument. No, no, no. This is, it's not for that. Uh, you had buys. You had first-round buys when you were at the yeah, Eagles. Yeah. Do you practice that entire time? Do you go away? Like, is this possibly where, like with the Ravens or something like that, do they get away from each other? No. So so you 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 don't, you do practice. So you still have to stay in shape. Like, they had the starters for the Ravens almost had three weeks off. That's Tony Romo just fucked time. me up when him and Witten went down to a Cancun that one time. Yeah, they should have Simpson. That was a, that was a mistake. No, you're around, so you may not practice every day. So let's say you normally practice Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and then a little bit Saturday. You may only practice Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Have a couple of days off, probably the weekend off, then come back Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, the yes. next week, ready to play. And so the thing that you have to do during that bye period is that you have to go hard. You can't just say, I'm just going to coast, especially if you're healthy. You have to go hard just so that your body stays in that routine. We're creatures of habit. habit. And if you can't stay in that routine, you will absolutely lose. We saw some of so that. So you do the same routine and you'll practice, but you're not doing like the main walkthroughs on Friday. No, It's a no, lot of no. gym and a lot of jugs and yeah, stuff. Yeah, well, like no, you're, you're trying to make sure that you're putting in new plays. You got a whole new week, a whole fresh right. week of nothing. Your coach is putting in plays. Hey, this is a play that may come up on third and short. Let's run this. And gotcha. so sometimes you'll see some trick plays, some different formations that yeah. they'll put in. And Andy Reid is a king of that. Different formations, getting different guys of football. Um, they ran a play yesterday. They had a, a tight end to the flat right away. They had a guy coming in motion who was right in the flat right behind him. Mahomes hit the second guy. You haven't seen plays like that all season long, but those are the things you do when I you have the bye week. That's how the Packers got the, four, the first down to seal the game. They had one guy on a slant, and then Jimmy Graham came behind, right behind him. him. Yeah. And it's it's like the perfect, like the running back comes behind the tight end, and he clears it It, it messes up your defense. It messes up your principles for your defense. The I, call, defense I call it like a shorthand screen. That's right. Where it's not like a real screen, but it has the principles of the screen. And you have a built-in blocker. Yes. Right there. So. What are my three options again? Was it a blip? Was it jitters? Yeah, was it jitters? Was it rust from the bye week? Or was it just nothing we should pay attention to and drops happen in the NFL? Um, I will answer succinctly. Thank you. Off the top, uh, <laughs> that I believe that of those three, it is the closest to rust. 
but I believe that there is, uh, I'm not trying to be cute. I know that was my issue with the first one. I appreciate I, you I, taking the note, by the way. I think it was actually um, an overexcitement. Mm-hmm. And, and what I mean by it, it's different than jitters from this. The two main drops, Travis Kelsey and Demarcus Robinson across the middle, both of them, when you looked at the replay with their eyes, as the ball was coming in, were going like this. Trying to pick up extra yardage. And what I realize is, as you watch the game, when you hang 51 points up, that means all week you were probably looking at the film going, we're about to destroy them. Mm. And so what happens in, in those first two drives is you go, I know that I'm going to, like Demarcus Robinson, I'm coming across. The corner was behind him. Uh, this is my 50-yard catch play. Right. And he was already ready to go, and he didn't look it in. And I honestly think that what happened yesterday other than the fact that it gave the Chiefs confidence now that we can overcome any deficit the rest of the playoffs, was there's nothing better than beating the shit out of a team, but the coach still coming to you on Tuesday and going, we played like shit. And because you're immediately grounded. To win by 20 and to put up 51, Mm -hmm. the the total for the game was 51. Yeah, they hit it themselves, the 51. So That's a coach's dream. What you're describing is a coach's dream. So the fact that Andy gets to go in there and not have to go, let's worry about Tennessee, let's humble yourselves. The fact that he gets to show a Demarcus Robinson drop, Mm -hmm. a Travis Kelsey drop, a Tyree Kill fumble, there's literally no one a block. There's literally no part of the ball of the side. The fact that the first touchdown was a complete blown coverage from the defense, he gets to go through there on Monday morning and go, we play like shit. That was the best thing that could have happened for the Chiefs. So I'll say it's the closest to jitters, but I'd say it's more closer to an overzealousness Yeah, for that. We've seen it before. We've seen Kelsey drop so many balls, though. So what's really interesting, to touch on this, Scott Zolak, who is the color commentary for the Patriots Mm -hmm. and also a former player for the Patriots, attacked the fuck out of Kelsey after that drop. Called him a pussy, said, like, all these things about him. And then Travis Kelsey went on to have the greatest tight end performance. But, like, instantly. And then Zolak Zolak blamed it on the flu. (laughs) We do this thing with with Travis, but I think it's also because – like some of the Kelsey's touchdowns were like Mahomes rolling left and dropping it off, and Kelsey's catching it down mm-hmm. here in double coverage. That's why when I'm comparing the two best tight ends in the sport right now, not including Zach Ertz, let's say it's Kittle and Kelsey. Kelsey. Of course. I compare them to, and not where they stand in the alt in the rankings, to Durant for Kelsey and Gre- Draymond Green for Kittle. And here's what I mean. Durant is sometimes green. This is what I mean. Let me finish. Kevin Durant is like unguardable sometimes as a seven putter, seven footer that can shoot threes. He has an incredible offensive skill set, and that's how I see Kelsey. He can dice you up at the line. He can catch the lob ball. He can do like an underneath screen. He can do a fucking uh, shovel pass. His offensive skill set is insane, but. And, and and Durant is serviceable at blocking shots, but he's not a great defender. When I look at George Kittle, Draymond Green is one of the best defenders we have in the league. He does everything. He sets up the rest of the offense so that Steph Curry and all those guys can be open. He's setting screens. He's blocking shots. He's taking charges. He's the emotional, motivational thing. I am not shortchanging George Kittle, but... Really, when that offense is clicking for the Niners, it's when George Kittle is a blocker opening it up for the Debos and the Mosterts. Now, he still can stiff-arm three Saints, and Draymond Green can still hit that three-point shot from the top of the key. But when you really look at George Kittle's biggest games, he's not a 100-yard receiver. 
He's never putting up a stat line that Kelsey had yesterday. And that stat line by Kelsey to me is like the Durant, like 45 point game. Kittle is a lot more of the triple double. That's 12, 11, 10. We had a conversation about a month ago. And you told me that George Kittle was the most unstoppable I said he was the best offensive weapon. And I think that there are times where Draymond Green what is the best What part of Draymond weapon. Green is the best weapon on a basketball team? Draymond Green. There's none. There's none. That's when, when that team was full operandi. I don't even know if that's the right word. It was full <laughs> operation. He allowed them to run certain sets that other teams couldn't run because he can play a five in a small set yeah. and then also bring the ball up the court. And he allowed the versatility, allowed them to open up all that. You other just stuff. told me that George Kittle is either one or two at his position. Yeah. Draymond Green is not one or two at his position. Not uh, even close. I, I literally prefaced it with, I'm not saying that he is Draymond Green in terms of the ranking, in terms of players. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about their versatility what and do. what they bring. Yes. Yeah. Let's be honest. What you meant was you think Kelsey's going to join the 49ers this offseason. <laughs> That'd be incredible. <laughs> oh, my God. Greatest Switching tight end of all time. Uh, I'm going to give this one to my man, Lefko. Okay. I enjoyed your analogy. It was bold. That wasn't even a part of it. It was interesting. Yeah. Oh, so you took into account the the part that was not a part of it? No, but the main part was the the eyes looking forward and thinking they were. I did like that. I did like that That way of thinking. But also, I'm mostly concerned about people calling me biased if I give the first two rounds. I'll take it. I'll take it. (laughs) Shall we segue to Titans Ravens? One last point. Yes. The weirdest part as a Philadelphia Eagles fan about moving on from Andy Reed was watching him go to Kansas city and immediately having success and realizing that all those trips to the NFC championship game and no super bowls was not Andy Reed's fault because for a long time towards the end, you're like, this is getting stale. Maybe he wasn't the guy. And as a Philadelphia Eagles fan, I kind of felt self-conscious about it, that maybe we did make the wrong move and all these coaches that didn't work afterwards. I will say this now. Because the Eagles have a Super Bowl championship, I am rooting for Andy Reid to win the Super Bowl. That I think if we did not win the championship, it would have been like, oh, if Andy gets one and we still don't have one, it would have made me self-conscious. Really? But now, because we have one in the bag, now I'm like, go get you one big red. And I, there's something about having one already that makes me that much more excited to see Andy possibly get one. I've kind of always wanted Andy. And I think the people in Philly, they kind of soured on Andy that last year just because things weren't moving in the right direction. But I think once he left, they're like, ah, we, we actually do like you. I mean, we just didn't like you for that time for that time period. I think, you know, when I when I think about Andy, and obviously I'm biased. I'm probably the most biased person in the world because I thought that he was able to mold me into exactly what he needed for his offense. And he also, he yeah. just treated me well, allowed me to be the professional that I was. Which, yeah, which, who which knows how other out. teams would have used you. It would have been bad. I mean, run between the tackles. You go, if I went out to San Francisco, and obviously Frank wasn't there at the time, but they wanted me to run power football, yeah. I would have been broke up in two years. It just wouldn't have been able to, to last. I, it wouldn't have fit. Andy Reid saw my skill set was able to take it and use it in his offense, and it was great. And so I, I certainly respect him for that. More importantly than what he was able to do with me as a player, I think as a man, he, he just was an awesome dude. Yeah. And, and I've told you guys this story before. When we were, I was at his, his unfortunate death of his son, and I'm there, and I'm, I'm, I'm emotional. I knew his son, you know, really, I watched the kid grow up. 
And obviously Andy knew he was battling with problems, things like that. And I'm at the at the funeral and Andy's standing at the, the casket. And I'm just, I feel so bad for him. I'm, I'm crying. I feel so bad for Andy. And I walk up to him and the first thing Andy said, at a time where it was all about him and his family, hey, buddy, how's it going? How do you feel? Is everything okay? Is there anything that I can do for you? We're standing beside his son's casket, and he's asking me, is there anything that he can do for me? And that's the type of dude that Andy is. And when you talk about the guys that have played for him that love him, it's because of things like that. And so that's that's why I want Andy to win. I just yes. want him just to win. I want him to be successful because there's a part of people that always are saying, well, Andy's a good coach, but, I mean, come on, he hasn't won right. a championship right. yet. He has Mahomes now. He had McNabb and all these other guys, and he has, still hasn't won a Super Bowl. On a in a weekend where Bill Cower got inducted to is in the Hall of Fame. Were you okay with that? Were you okay with Cower? Hold on a second. And the fact that Andy Reid is still not validated in people's mind, and Andy Reid has already surpassed even like he doesn't have the Super Bowl, but what he has done mm-hmm. and how he ranks in terms of all time coaches. He's so much better than Bill Cower. Like, it's not even close. And the fact that he doesn't have that, my dream for Andy Reid, my dream is that he goes to the Super Bowl and there's two minutes left on the clock and he manages the clock perfectly (laughs) and wins the Super Bowl, putting all of that to rest. Andy Reid, five years after he's done, is going into the Hall of Fame, no questions asked. He's one of the most beloved coaches of all time from players. He's one of the most respected coach of all, coaches of all time from other coaches. And the, the coaching trees that he has underneath him, oh, yeah. and he is cool. the most successful of Mike Holmgren, the most successful coaching tree of all time. Um, I, I really hope that he gets that moment um, because, look, there's a chance – him and Mahomes, we, we uh, there are certain coaching, you know, Tom Brady, Bill Belichick, you know, Chuck Noll, Terry Bradshaw. If if they really keep this thing rolling, those two can go in the all-time list. Well, last week on this podcast, I asked the question, would you rather get to the playoffs every year for a decade or win one guaranteed Super Bowl and then stink the rest of the time? I think Andy Reid is the human embodiment of I will get you a ticket to that dance yes. and the chips will fall where they may. Right. And it's possible over the next decade that he and Mahomes win zero titles. It's entirely possible they win five. And I would love to be a Chiefs fan over yes. this next decade because they got the, they got things lined up very nicely for them. And you know how another sign of how amazing of a dude Andy Reid is? That second half. Did you see who was calling the plays for the Chiefs? Eric Bieniemy. Was he? After Oh, Eric they, they, there are clips online of Andy Reid standing there like this, like mm-hmm. purposely crossing his arm mm. and Eric Bieniemy calling in the plays. And that's the kind of guy he is. All week, oh, Eric Bieniemy doesn't call the plays. Andy is just one of those dudes that's like, I'm going to do what it needs to get you guys right. He did the same similar thing for Doug, too. And that, that you're right. That's absolutely pretty cool. And hopefully Eric Bieniemy gets that respect when the hiring process happens yeah. next year. Shall we move on to Titans? Yes. Titans Ravens. So this is just a segue question, and this I just need a, the shortest possible answer. Would you, would you take in a matchup eleven Derrick Henrys against eleven Travis Kelseys? Ooh, Ooh. they have to play offense and defense. I'm going to go eleven. Um, it's a tough one, right? Are they both equally like they both want to like win? Like it's not like yeah. I mean, because I mean Travis is a lot more like fun and affable than Derrick Henry. Like, I feel like Derrick might take it more serious. But if they're both like, you have to go, I would go Kelsey just because he can throw. Well, Derrick Henry can throw. Just <laughs> yeah, a little jump pass action. Man. 
I feel like they can both block. I feel like they can both catch out of the flat, obviously. Yeah, but Kelsey's a lot more athletic. Mm -hmm. Henry's a lot more straightforward. I'm going Kelsey. Okay. Oh, my guy. I'll go Henry because people are scared of him. <laughs> yeah. Like, and we saw something that I didn't expect to see with this Baltimore Ravens defense. And this Earl kinda, Thomas defarming him twice? That's just weird to me because I thought this was a defense full of just tough dudes that just want to eat your lunch, that would, would get after it. And this was a great matchup for him against a running back that's going to run right at you, mm -hmm. and he's going to play chicken. Well, do you want to stay there, or are you going to move? And they moved. And that's the part that scares me about any other matchup against a guy that's 6'4", 250, whatever he is yeah. at this point. And so I, I, I'll go uh, Derek Henry. The correct answer was Aaron Donald. Okay. Hold <laughs> on really quick. I, I want to play one thing. I wasn't going to post it online, but I'll play it here. Uh do you remember what the draft conversation was like around Derrick Henry back in 2016? Vaguely. He went in the second round. Mm -hmm. So the big discussion at the time was Dallas has the fifth pick. Do they take Zeke or do they go with like a Joey Bosa, Jalen Ramsey, mm -hmm. and then take Derrick Henry in the second round? And they went with Zeke. Mm -hmm. And the talk about Derrick Henry at the time was, well, he, he, he doesn't have a lot of good lateral quickness, and and uh, he can't really cut. I found a draft clip. I'm not going to play all of it, but this was what was – I found a clip of me, and I think it's pretty on point, so I'm going to pat myself on the back. Yes, that's – I think three, 250. I think that's crap. I think I think I think it's amazing to me. I'm not saying that yeah. you're wrong and you're right. right. I'm just saying that if you told me, "Hey, I got this running back. He's six four. He's two fifty. He ran faster than almost every running back at the combine. He, he jumped higher. He benched more. He jumped further. He won the Heisman and he broke all these records." But we haven't seen a running back that big or that fast yet, yeah. so we might as well take <laughs> the less talented one. That just I hear that and I go, "That just sounds stupid." I think. It my thing is, and I've said this a long time. That was a good take. Thanks. Because, look, his, his short area quickness. Oh, he's going to be like Trent Richardson. We do this all the time. There was an Alabama running back that busted before him. Oh, he could be like that. We do that with quarterbacks where, oh, you know, or the, the famous one is Steph Curry comes into the NBA. And if you remember, there was a Washington State guard that was a light-skinned black kid that could shoot threes, and he got drafted at the end of the first round, and he has never played in the NBA. But it was right after Steph Curry. We look for these things, and because we had never seen Derrick Henry before, it was too much. Somebody like Derrick Henry, a lot of running backs can break down over time. But when you're that big— your career is going to last for so long, and your athleticism is going to stay. If that 4-4 becomes a 4-6, you're still faster than like 80% of running backs in the NFL in your 7th or 8th year. And you're still picking up 8 yards on 1st and 10. Yeah. And I just, I, th I think the same thing with DK Metcalf. Wow, DK Metcalf, he is bigger and stronger and faster than anyone, and I don't think it's going to happen. And it's like, you know what? The Seahawks built around DK Metcalf. The Titans, when he came in, the John Robinson of the, of the Titans, the GM, drafted Jack Conklin, the tackle, to go along with Taylor Lewan, and they said, we're going to get big people, and we're going to power right through you. And they built around him. And now you look at it, and it's like two or three years where December and January, Derrick Henry is the most successful running back. He is putting up historically insane numbers in the playoffs, and what you said is the key. People don't want to tackle him. And, and now you got to think that the Chiefs, 
who lost to the Titans right. in Tennessee this year, where Derrick Henry went off, that defense is going, oh, man. And you know how good that play-action game is going to be? Because when you have secondary guys that are fearing the tackle, and now they're not thinking about A.J. Brown over the top. Earl Thomas just getting stiff-armed to oblivion, right? And they don't want to be on the highlight reel. It's like getting dunked on. Yes. Yeah. They're that was that the equivalent too. of dunk face. They're watching the tape of this game like, oh, Safety, I got to step in there and tackle that. Yeah. Tyron Matthew, well, which, he's smaller than me. <laughs> yeah. How do you make that play? I mean, I, again, these are things you have to think about. So when I was thinking about Derrick Henry, I'm saying he's going off the end of the season. Guys are a little beat up. Some of these guys are making business decisions because it's the end of the year. They don't want to get hurt. But the playoffs are different. The playoffs are win or go home. Right. So I'm thinking the Baltimore defense is rest up. They've been resting the last two, three weeks. They're ready for this type of physical confrontation. They weren't. And they got into the game. The same thing that Mike Tyson said. Everybody has a game plan until you get punched in the mouth. Yeah. And when they got punched in the mouth, their game plan was out the window. He punches you in the chest, too. It was it was nasty to watch. It was a physically nasty football game. We had two of them this weekend. And, and we'll talk about the San Francisco game later. Yeah. But this game was a physically nasty game. And it was the offensive player taking it to the defense. It was pretty cool to watch. So this is perfect. This is the first question. The first burning question from Titans Ravens. After these last couple of years, we've obviously talked about this a lot on the podcast, that there is a lot of question around the NFL of whether or not it's worth it to pay for a premium running back. Is it worth it to pay Zeke $90 million? Is it worth it to pay Todd Gurley? What does he make in $90 million, $60 million? $60 million. <laughs> short amount, shorter amount of time. But watching Derrick Henry be A1 in the playoffs, winning games by himself, is that going to cause the league to rethink the way we think about paying running backs? That's good. Oh, I'll lead. And I'll let the running back take the, the post. It's interesting because it is a huge divide in the analytics community that taking Saquon Barkley at two is a huge mistake mm-hmm. instead of a quarterback and in investing draft capital, not even free agency money. It's very interesting with this Titans team because they have two guys that will be free agents this year. One of them is Derrick Henry and one of them is Ryan Tannehill. And what's interesting is Derrick Henry is a lot better at his position than Ryan Tannehill is at his. If you think about it, Derrick Henry in his first two playoff games has run more in each of those games than Ryan Tannehill has thrown in both of his games combined. That's insane. That is insane. At the same point, there are not a lot of Derrick Henrys. There are not a lot of Saquons. There are certain guys that are maybe worth it because they truly are at a next level, but all of the other running backs can do whatever they want. Personally, if I'm going to answer your question, Derrick Henry's performance is not enough to sway me that running backs, I apologize, Brian Westbrook, earmuffs, are worth the crazy free agency money. Because to go to the Niners game, Tevin Coleman tore him up, Raheem Mostert did great. But you know who came at the end? Matt Breida. Matt Breida, in my opinion, could have done a lot of damage on the Titans on Saturday night because they went up 14-0 and the Ravens have had not a great run defense all year. Would it have been the same highlight with Earl Thomas? No. But Matt Breida, I think, could have gotten a lot of yards. And I, I just think Derrick Henry is physically built the way we look at like LeBron in the NBA, mm-hmm. where those kind of builds just do not come around, that 
I am very curious to see what Derrick Henry gets this offseason. Um, and he might be one of the only guys that's like your closer, but I would not swing and start paying a lot of free agency because there are so many talented guys at running back that I, I don't think it's worth it. So is the question is what the Titans would do or the teams across the league? Teams across the league. It's like the common wisdom over the last few years has been that you can get a really good running back in the third, fourth, fifth round of the draft. You shouldn't be paying these guys $15 million a year. And I'm saying by watching Derrick Henry be absolutely the best player on the football field two weeks in a row at the highest stakes moments of the NFL season. Will that cause some GMs or some coaches or some fans or some media members to rethink this narrative? I don't think it will cause that because listen, Derrick Henry was the most dominant running back the last half of the season. Right. And for you to find that guy predicted by the way, right here, on the Left Coast show. That is true. You in a dolphin tank. Yeah, mm-hmm. you didn't mention that. That was, right. that was a good dolphin tank yeah. segment. Let's get that clip So, out. So it's to find that guy that can be the most physically dominating guy, it's just hard to do. They're, they don't make guys like that. They, Derrick Henry, when I and I saw him in high school at the Maxwell Award, he was 6'3", 220, 230. I mean, he was huge. He looked like an offensive lineman at that point. Right. And he was just running through people. And so to find a guy that can be that dominant, and it wasn't because he was so fast. It wasn't because he was so strong. It wasn't just because he was just so big. He was just a combination of all three of those things. To be able to find somebody like that in the draft or even in free agency, it's just hard to do. There's one of these guys in the NFL right now. They had a guy, Brandon Jacobs, back in the day. You remember Brandon Jacobs? Yeah, he was on the Giants. Played for the Giants. He was Auburn. T- he was the original Derrick Henry. He was big. He wasn't as physical as Derrick right. Henry, but he was big, hard to tackle. I mean, I thought he was. He ran up a little bit too high for my liking, but he was. He was big. He was a big dude. He was literally what uh, Derrick Henry is at this point. But Derrick Henry is just more dominant. So to find a running back to be able to do it that has the ability to stay healthy, all the analytics will say absolutely not. You can find an average quarterback to kind of pick up the slack there. So I think teams will never go to that extent. But when you're in the playoffs and it's a one-game elimination and you have that guy, a guy that's going to be dominant, then it's it's much easier to have that because he was unstoppable. He's been unstoppable the last the last seven, eight games. It's been amazing. I, I think we both took the same side on that argument. Um, but I will say that his free agency – is going to be very interesting to watch. Right. Because the Titans have already exceeded expectations. Like, I, I do want to admit right now, I looked back at my preview. I think I had the Titans coming in last in the AFC South. I had no hope on the Titans. I thought the Titans were going to be a top five pick. And so they've already reached a point where I have a, a good friend who's a Titans fan, and it already feels like a win for them, like what they've accomplished. And Derrick Henry is the face of that. And he is going to have the statistics to go to that front office and go, here's what Gurley's making. Here's what Zeke is making. I need to be the first $100 million running back. I'm toasting all these guys. And the town of Nashville, like they are going to identify as Derrick Henry is our guy. At, He's the new Zach Randolph. He, he also he owns, he's owns also to have this performance in a contract year is fucking insane. Oh yeah, he's also very closely associated with the mentality of the head coach, and that's that means something to me, especially when you go to the 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 negotiation table. Hey, Mike Vrabel wants to pound you in the face. Get up, 
pound you in the face again, get up, and pound you in the face again. Derrick Henry embodies that. Mm -hmm. This is the attitude of that football team. Also, I think one of the reasons why the the Ravens weren't as successful as they could have been if Mark Ingram plays. He was a guy that was going to smash you in the mouth. He's he's a guy that you had to worry about if Lamar didn't keep the the football and they don't have him to be able to play to help him win there. I think the negotiations would be interesting, but you got to pay him. Because if you don't pay him, right, let's say you don't pay him and and he walks. They'll end up franchising, worst case scenario. But Ryan Tannehill is not as effective as he was, right? This season. Ryan Tannehill was effective, resulting, resulted by what Derrick Henry was doing behind him for the most part. Two things I think is pretty interesting. In both in the AFC championship game, NFC championship game, we have one great quarterback on each side. We have, obviously, Aaron Rodgers, and we have Patrick Patrick Mahomes, right? Then we have two great running teams. Derrick Henry and just Derrick Henry going off. And then you have the 49ers that are just physically dominant. And I think it'll be interesting because it will actually face your question right there. Well, who's better, the quarterback-led team or the running, more running team? And, and obviously San Fran does in a lot of different ways, but they're a running football team. They want to smash you in the mouth. They want to be dominant in the trenches. They were able to do that. Same thing with the Titans. That's why they won the football game. Mm-hmm. It'll be interesting to see this weekend. Is there a ruling on the last one, or is it not really? I mean, you both, you as you mentioned, you yeah. both went with essentially the same argument that it's not going to reset everything, but what we're watching is pretty miraculous. And the rule of the Lefko show is that the tie for running back questions goes to the former running back. Oh, okay, I think fine. you can understand that. Uh, okay, what, fine. What, <laughs> I'm okay. Uh, one thing that's interesting about Derrick Henry's career is it is an absolute graph that is just going up and to the right. Yeah. Because you forget he got drafted and DeMarco Murray was a free agent and they were splitting carries. So here's year by year how he's gone. This is carries. 110, 176, 215, 303. Yards, 490, 744, 1059, 1540. Touchdowns, 5, 5, 12, 16. Yards per carry, 4.5, 4.2, 4.9, 5.1. Catches, 13, 11, 15, 18. Yards go up, touchdown goes up, average goes up. And you really think about it, Derrick Henry, for about two and a half years, was seen as a bust. He was the guy that in your fantasy draft, you take in the fifth round. Through the first eight weeks, your friends make fun of you because you could have had nah, blah, blah, yeah. somebody else, and he didn't turn out. I really think the coming of age for Derrick Henry was the Jaguars Thursday night game last season when he stiff-armed four guys on that team and ran for a 99-yard touchdown. I I, I really think that if you look back from that point on, he might have like 2,000 yards rushing in like the span of like 20 games. And then if you include playoffs, it's even more. But... Derrick Henry is 26 years old. He just turned 26. And he, re- like, where he is at on the negotiation table, I-, I have to imagine they franchise tag him and maybe transition tag Tannehill. But what negotiating power that guy has. It's incredible. The question for running backs will always be, especially for physical guys, is how long can it last? That's, that's the question. How long can it last? And Doesn't look like he's slowing down to me. Nope. Shit. I'll tell you this, though. Just from, just I'm thinking back to Eddie George, who was a big, physical Tennessee Titan running back. And a wonderful dancer. And a great dancer. He had great feet. He, here, here's a part, No, like, legitimately, on Broadway. He was, really? Oh, yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. He was in the show Chicago. 
Was he? He can tap dance. He's incredible. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Twinkle toes. In the last three games, Derrick Henry has 96 carries for 588 yards, oh. four touchdowns, and a touchdown pass. What are Eddie George's Broadway stats? Two Tony <laughs> nominations. <laughs> that was good. But my point about Eddie George is that they took that one big hit from Ray Lewis. Oh, and that, that changed amazing. his career, right? I mean, he was great. I mean, let's let's not fake That's it. That's always been the fear with Derrick Henry. Is That's if, the fear. The thing is, is I'll never forget the rookie premiere. I went, and that was Zeke and Derrick Henry. I'm out in L.A. And Zeke, everybody's laughing because he's running around with his shirt off. And when you see him in person, he's built like a fire hydrant. Very low, very stocky and all that. And then Derrick Henry's walking around, and all the players are like, isn't he fucking huge? And you look at him, he's the only football player I've ever seen where his waist is like here. Mm. Like he's built like Mike from Monsters, Inc., Mm -hmm. where it's like all (laughs) legs. And the fear about Derrick Henry is someone's going to go low. Yep. Someone's going to take one of them knees out because they don't want to take it on. And you're, th- that is the fear about Derrick That's Henry with running backs. It's like one and side Unfortunately, swipe. if he gets just a little slower, and again, I, I don't wish any injury on any, no. anybody, but just get a little bit slower, you start getting more hits. Same thing that happened to me, too. As I got a little bit slower later in my career, you start to get hit a little bit more, and that changes the way that you play the game. So I, that's the biggest fear. But, yeah, you, he has to get he'll, – he'll get paid this year. Shall we move on to question number two, Titans-Ravens? Does this loss, now that Lamar Jackson is 0-2 in the playoffs, does this say anything big about the way we evaluate quarterbacks like Lamar Jackson? Or was this just a fluky game and Lamar Jackson should keep doing what he's doing, the offense should keep building the way they're building? I'll go first. Um, It was interesting because as it was happening, people were like, here come all the Lamar haters. And, And we do this a lot where we create straw men in the media, like these media personalities that are like, I told you Lamar was gonna suck. Candidly, I didn't see it. Like, it's funny, like, I was even trying to find memes of like people being like, oh, here comes the Lamar haters. He had a performance that's never been done before. I think he's the first quarterback in history to throw over 300 yards and rush for over 140 yards in a, in a playoff game. It was like 365 in the air, too. Yeah, never, like 500 yards offense. Never happened before. Uh, they're down 14 nothing. End of the half, he makes an incredible throw to Hollywood Brown mm-hmm. around three defenders and sets them up. They just didn't have enough time to go for a touchdown. He did have an untimely fumble. They were 8-for-8 eight eight on fourth and one in the regular season with QB sneaks. In this game, they go 0-2. Oh Sometimes those games happen. You just don't want them to happen in the playoffs, and that's what happened. This was a team built, much like the Titans, to establish a lead and then run their offense off of that. And they went down 14. I mentioned to you earlier today, the only time I remember that the Ravens having to play from behind this year was the Chiefs game, where they're in that game, they're down, and Lamar is doing crazy things, and he's cross-body to Willie Sneed, he's getting lucky, he's throwing up balls, he's getting pass interferences, and he didn't play a great game, but he still kept them in it. I don't think any, but yes, there will be people that go, look, Lamar's 0-2 in the playoffs. I think Lamar is still a top five quarterback in this league. I believe that Lamar has still shown in this game the opportunity and the availability and the potential to bring you back wherever. I just think that with Mark Ingram on the bench, playing from behind, your wide receivers dropping everything because of rust, the fact that they did not play in the Week 17 game, they rested a lot of guys in Week 16, they had a bye, that they didn't play a meaningful 
full game since December 8th. I mean, that's a month and a half. That is what happened. And, and for me, I do not believe that you give a win solely to the quarterback. Right. If you're going to give the win to Ryan Tannehill, which is not true. I give it to Mariota personally, but. <laughs> then you can't put the, the loss. The season. Yeah, yeah. You can't put the loss at the feet of Lamar Jackson. Now, the question will be, it's this oversimplification of the defense. Last year, the way to stop Lamar Jackson is you run a three-safety defense like the Los Angeles Chargers, and that's his kryptonite. Didn't see it work once this year. What did the Titans say they did after the game? They did a Madden engage eight and just threw everybody up there and threw it deep. Lamar Jackson is Giannis Antetokounmpo. Hmm. Giannis Antetokounmpo, can he hit five threes in a game like he did against the Lakers? Sure, but that's the poison pill you got to take. Lamar Jackson right now, the part of his game that's not that developed is consistent deep ball accuracy. And that's what the Titans said. We're going to load up the box. We're going to make you throw. He's still Giannis. He's still the MVP. He's still a freak of nature. But right now, that's what he has to develop. But I, I, I didn't. I didn't look at that game and go, Lamar was the reason they lost, not once. You know, when I watch the game, and, and listen, having 500, over 500 yards of total offense is amazing. Probably will never be able to be done again. I mean, it's rare that you ever see that, right? Um, especially when you combine. Mahomes, did Mahomes do 500 yards? Well, but, but, I what, he threw. Uh, I yeah. He threw for 440 he, 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 and he, ran he for 60. He threw for a bunch, yeah. But it's, it's to combine it in the way that he was able to do it, it's, it's, it's hard to imagine. I'll say this. I think the game was on Lamar's shoulders. And the reason why I say that is because he had to be special for them to win. And he's been special all season long, right? I mean, he's been absolutely special. So I would have given – if they would have won the game, it was because Lamar won that game. And because they lost, Lamar lost the game. And he wasn't just great. He was off, especially with his passing. He ran the football pretty decently, but the Titans would said, listen, we're just not going to allow you to get those chunk plays that you're used to. Mm-hmm. And they didn't give that up. The one thing that Lamar wasn't able to do was be accurate. He, I mean, he was missing guys high, missing guys low. One of the interceptions wasn't his fault, but you got you to gotta make those plays. Those are average quarterback plays that he just missed. He missed some of those passes. And we've seen games where he's missed some of those passes before, but he was able to dominate with his running skills in those games where the other team just couldn't keep up. And the defense in particular played much better than they played in this past game. The, the defense gave up 28 points, and they just didn't look good at all. They, they were afraid to tackle Derrick Henry. They just didn't look like they were interested. And so I, I think Lamar, when, 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 when people look at Lamar, you have to be 100% honest and say, this is a second-year quarterback, a guy that, Got so much better passing the football from his first year to the second year. Do you expect him to win the Super Bowl? Well, I kind of did. The way that they were just dominating on offense. But at the same time, if he was going to fall short, it was going to be in the area of passing the football. We saw that a little bit yesterday. I think that when we see a guy dominate the way that he did, but when I look at it, I saw a guy that got so much better throughout the season, got so much better in the offseason until now. I'm looking forward to see what he's going to be next year. I'm looking forward to see how good he's going to – when you have these types of losses, he goes – Lamar Jackson type of guys that we've heard say, I'm not worried about anything that he's wards, yep. MVP. I'm just worried about winning games. Those are the types of guys that go figure it out in the offseason. Those are self-assessors that say, listen, I messed up. Here's what I was weak at. 
look at these throws. I was inaccurate in these games, yep. and now I have to be better. So he goes and works on this game. He, I, I would not be surprised at all if Lamar was in that facility in the next week or two trying to figure out how to be a better quarterback. And Reggie Bush is filming him on his phone. Being and like, Reggie, exactly. This, this is the motive. <laughs> at this point of careers, all I want to see is potential. Right. I don't need to see refinement. I need to see what are you capable of. Because just like Russell Wilson, in the beginning we saw spurts, but he, he had things he wasn't great. He held the ball too long, whatever. And we did this with LeBron. You know, LeBron was great, but even in the beginning, oh, you passed too much. Right. All we want to see in the beginning is those athletic abilities and your peak. Because as you play, you will get refined. You look at the rest of his draft class. Would you rather have him or Sam Darnold? I'd rather have Lamar, Lamar or Josh Allen or Josh Rosen or Baker Mayfield. It's Lamar. And so the fact that he's doing this in year two and the fact that he's only going to get better and we saw in last offseason that he's a guy that's going to work. Yes. Because that's not guaranteed with all these guys. Right. You know, some of these guys, they go in the offseason, they go, man, did you see what I did? And they start like, like, I'll be candid. I worry about that with Dwayne Haskins. I just, I follow social media and I see what people post and, and how they do it. Sometimes I get concerned about that stuff. I, Humble for, but hungry. Lamar Jackson. For Lamar to have a playoff last year where he couldn't do anything, and then a playoff this year where the defense got run all over, but he put up 500-plus yards, he's worked on his shit. And the fact that they have two or three more years of him on a rookie salary to still surround him with great players, I have no doubt about that. Just think about what happened in this game. They went for it on fourth down with two times, two or three times. Two, and they two. went over two. And they, they couldn't get it, right? So that's something that was almost a I guarantee. I have never seen a fourth down attempt where the quarterback – Goes in and then runs right, right and then runs it. left. And I was like, I've never seen a guy have time. Like, yeah. If you try to do a lot of Madden, you're getting tackled. The play would get blown yeah. up in half that time. So, yeah. So you had that. So they didn't convert on any of the fourth down attempts, which they normally convert on. They also didn't get the lead early. And their defense was – you were able to run against this defense. I've seen teams run against this defense. I think the 49ers had a decent game of running the football against them. They wanted you to get down early, so you had to throw the ball against those killers in the back end, Earl Thomas and yeah. Peters and Jimmy Smith and People those guys. People have talked about they built Martin their Humphrey. defense from the back end. Right. And that's been the thing. The Patriots built their defense like that, where you get the secondary and you create enough you know, coverage. And attack the guys up front. And the, Titans, the, the Titans literally drafted Jeffrey Simmons this year. Yep. I didn't think he was going to play. He was coming off a torn ACL. People said he was a top 10 pick, and the Titans got him at like 20. Mm-hmm. And he was a huge member of the game. And we're talking way too long. <laughs> it, was, it was a good game. This was an important game to talk about, though. It was. It was. Dominate in the trenches. I mean, it's, it's good to see teams are still concerned with that. People it's, are obsessed with this Vrabel penis story. Well, he said it. And now the Titans have a one in four chance of winning the what, Super Bowl. What, what game? What, what is this story? Before he, the season. Here's what people are confused by. Mike Vrabel on the Boston with the Boys podcast said, they was asked, would you cut off your dick if it meant you win the Super Bowl? And he said, yes. What he didn't say. Time, but he never said, I will cut off my dick if we, if win, we win. Which is a very different statement. So but people, people mean, I feel like, are taking it like that. Because it's more fun to take it like that. It is. Yeah. Why would he do that if he won, though? <laughs> that would be the the best day of my life and so also the, best, the worst day if of we my were life. Writing, if we were writing a bit for Mike Vrabel, yeah. let's say you win the Super Bowl. You come out 
with a brown bag with something on the bottom, and you just <laughs> drop it on the podium. And there's like go, blood leaking out of yeah, the bag. And you, and yeah, you go, mission accomplished. <laughs> That's what you do. You, but you never open the bag. And to in- increase and the you bit, have blood right here. You have two ass. EMTs standing behind you in case you pass out. And you pass out on the way off the podium. <laughs> that would be so funny. Mike Vrabel, we are available to write comedy bits for there's you. There's got to be a Mike Vrabel, Mike Vrabel's penis Twitter account, right? That seems like 100%. You should sure, start yeah. one if there isn't. <laughs> Uh, I, want, shall we, I, I want off this body. Shall we move on so, to Seahawks versus Packers? Okay. Yes. Okay. Did you guys enjoy this game? Yeah, this one felt like the way, it, it was sort of like, it's going to be a close game, it's going to be within one score, and I wouldn't be surprised if the home team takes it, and that's yeah. kind of I exactly felt like what Green it, Bay was holding on. Just folding on for dear life in the second half and just barely made it. Yeah. Also kind of felt that the Seahawks will make a comeback, and they, there was going yeah. to be a close game. No matter what, but I'm like, eh. I crush this game in terms of betting. When you bet prop bets, you watch it differently. Sure. Like I had Jacob Hollister over 38 and a half receiving yards. Right. And Jimmy Graham over two and a half catches. You're watching the whole game through that lens. But what's so fucked up is I'm sitting there going, Hollister's open. And I'm like, nobody cares. He got over 30 and a half in the fourth quarter. And that last play to Jimmy Graham, the, the questionable first down, that was his third catch that gave me the over. So, like, I was like, oh, well, I lost the Jimmy Graham bet, and he got that. Oh, it was the fucking the, the funniest thing I think we've ever done, I was at a friend's house. We were watching all the March Madness games, right, just an entire Friday of watching, and we didn't really know who was going to win. We just didn't follow it yeah. that closely. So what we did was we Googled the best player on each team and found out their free throw percentage. So if some guy's free throw percentage is 75%, you would bet, is it going to be over 75% or under 75% for the game? Yeah. So now you're actively rooting for him to get fouled and right. then potentially miss. Right. Right. And you're rooting for the weirdest things and it's such a fun way to watch games. It is. It just I had to like rewatch the game this morning in non in a non Jacob Hollister lens <laughs> yeah. to talk about the Seahawks. How different offense. was the game after after watching it that way? It's it's well I I don't know what questions he's going to ask. Let, let him ask the questions then I I can explain it in one of them. Okay. The this is a serious one then a fun one. So it looks like after years of Packers fans being frustrated by Mike McCarthy in a variety of ways, the Packers have found their guy in Matt LaFleur. Who would you say is the perfect coach, if you were the GM of the Seahawks, who is the perfect coach to pair with Russell Wilson and his skill set? Um, the perfect coach is Mike Shanahan. Mm. And, excuse me, not Mike, Kyle Shanahan. Kyle Shanahan, Kyle okay. Shanahan. And, and here's the reason why. I, I think that the Seattle coaching staff is so stuck with the thought that we want to be run first and we want to try to be conservative. We're not going to try to, I want, I wanted the Seattle Seahawks all season long to just go try to score 30. Let's do that. Your whole goal, this game is to score 30, which means you put the ball in Russell Wilson's hands as much as you can and just allow him just to have his way. Just go out there and cook, man. Just allow him just to do his thing. Just imagine. This team was a run-dominant team all year long. And Russell Wilson, despite that, was still in the conversation for league MVP for a long period of time until Lamar Jackson just went on a, on a tear, right? And you have to ask yourself, what if they had a team that wasn't run-dominant? What if the thought process wasn't that we're going to run the ball as much as we can and to get up, and then we're going to use play-action pass and then throw it over the top? How about we say, you know what? Russell Wilson, you have one of the best deep balls in the league in my opinion, the best. And you're accurate, and you're great on the edge. You're a great at running quarterback. How about we just let him just figure it out? And then if we got to run the ball to, to, to kind of allow his arm to rest just a bit, we'll do that. But other than that, we're going to allow Russell Wilson to go be the MVP. 
That's what I would want. And I think that's something that Kyle Shanahan would do. Right. And he knows how to scheme people open. So now Russell Wilson not just thinking about the deep ball, but he's scheming people open to get the intermediate passes open as well. That's the guy that I think, and, and really you could probably say that about any quarterback, who would quarterback, what, what offensive coordinator, head coach you want him to be with. Kyle Shanahan probably is the answer to all of those things. Um, it's That's what I realized when I rewatched the game was I can't believe they're running this much with Marshawn Lynch and Travis Homer that that, that these last two games as though as though it's successful right as though you have to run the ball for play action work work which has been shown analytically it's you not don't. necessary nope. um to answer your question I think they should steal Greg Roman mm. here is a guy that gave Colin Kaepernick his best year Tyrod Taylor his best year Lamar Jackson his best year and this notion of Brian Schottenheimer obsessed with the run, give the guy that's incredible with mobile quarterbacks maybe the best mobile quarterback we've ever seen in this NFL. Like Russell Wilson might, might be the best quarterback that we've ever seen that uses his legs to his advantage. I could see Brian Dayball of the Buffalo Bills being somebody that, if you could do that with Josh Allen, imagine what you could do with Russell Wilson. Um, it's been unfortunate to watch two quarterbacks for the better part of a decade succeed despite their coaches and overcome their shortcomings and keep their jobs. Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson. For a decade, Aaron Rodgers carried the Packers, and the one year he got hurt and and um, uh, the kid Brett Hundley played, that's the reason Mike McCarthy got fired because they truly showed – that his offensive system sucked <laughs> and that everyone realized how bad it was. But Russell Wilson doesn't get hurt. And because of that, I'm not saying Pete Carroll stinks, but the Brian Schottenheimer and the philosophy, I mean, every time I watched the game yesterday afterwards, it was every Seahawks receiver running 15 yards down the field. Mm -hmm. Nobody is open. Russell, save us. And they act like it's this great offense. That's what it was all year long. And that's a shitty offense. There's, there's no motion. There's no creative underneath space. I didn't see a single screen of Travis Homer. I saw no creative use of tight ends. And you just realize sending guys deep and telling Russell to figure out only works because it's Russ. Right. How much better would it have been with a real offense? And so I'm looking at these offensive coordinators and, and even Arthur Smith of the Tennessee Titans how he was able to kind of create mismatches. I looked at Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers. And how many times did you see good bunch formations where Devontae Adams escaped on the outside and was matched up on a safety? Aaron Rodgers has not had that kind of easy completions for years. And it was those two guys against each other yesterday. And one of them got injured and was able to get a new head coach with new philosophies. And the other one's been carrying Pete Carroll for years. I know you felt this way. Yeah. If Pete Carroll is sitting there chewing his gum and clapping, they think it's working and it's not. He's been winning despite of him, and they need to get a new offensive mind. You know who'd be really good there? Eric Bieniemy, your guy. Ooh, how about that? The other part about the Seahawks' offense and defense, really more about the defense, is that their defense doesn't match their offense. In order to have this type of offense, you have to have a dominant defense to win. You have to have a dominant and that's what, defense. And yeah, Pete acts like that's and, what and he has. And, and they don't. The defense is bad against the run, and they've been really bad in the, in the back end. They got bigger cornerbacks yeah. that just can't run. 
And by the way, they let go of Frank Clark to trade for Jadavian yeah. Clowney, and Jadavian Clowney might leave. And Frank Clark had three sacks on Sunday, mm-hmm. including one where he whiffed three times and, and then got the got sack him. on the fourth time. Unbelievable replay. Yeah, um, I have to give that round to Brian just because. What the fuck? Just be- that was the easiest one of the day. For me. <laughs> just because <laughs> you said Mike Shanahan at first, and I just want I want to see Mike Shanahan coaching. Yeah. I know you he said, said you want to get him. You want to get him? You want to get Mike back? I'm looking get at a room. Head. He was. He was at the game. I just want him telling John Elway stories to like get Russell Wilson all pissed off. Uh, okay, Fuck next both of you. Next question: How many more years can Marshawn Lynch conceivably join a team after Week 16 and be an effective goal line running running back? I love uh, to me, it's like the closer in baseball. Yeah, you know what I mean, could he do this for two more seasons? It, three? It really does seem like he has the innate ability to find it, and then just even if he's not in great shape will, or as he puts it, run through a mother's fucker's face over and over and over and over and over and over again. And on the goal line, that's what it comes down to. He did it to the Eagles. He he did it while he was on the Raiders. He did it yesterday where it's a guaranteed touchdown. The problem is you don't need a roster spot for that. But Marshawn Lynch, it is wild to think he hung up his cleats in this big retirement. And it also felt like the Seahawks feel they're like, if we just keep giving it to Marshall on the one, will our fan base forgive us right. for the one? It's like every time they're like, do you, are you cool with us now? Are you okay? <laughs> See, we gave it to Marshawn and it worked. You guys were right. I think Marshawn could do this for three more years. Sure. I think even there'll be one where it's like, he can't do it anymore and he still gets in one. <laughs> I don't know that. He stops being able to do it. And from, from this standpoint, maybe, let's say he's 40. You give the Tyler running back on this. <laughs> Great. <laughs> I don't know that he stops being able to just do it because it's a mental thing. Physically, he's still going to be the same size. He's not going to get huge. I and mean, he's not going to get skinny. But it's more of a mental thing. The goal line is a mindset play. It's I want to beat you to that line more than you want to tackle me and not get me there. His mindset is the difference maker there. Yesterday, he was stopped two or three times and still got in He because he kept fighting. He wanted it more than the other guys. That's why he got in. That's not going to change with Marshawn Lynch. I was watching the the, the, pre, the press conference after the game, and he hasn't changed one dog one bit. And I hope he never changed. Right. This is the guy that we want to see. This is the guy I want to listen to. I watched The only press conference I watched was Marshawn Lynch yesterday, and I watched a little bit of Bill O'Brien because I wanted to hear what the hell he was going to say. I wanted to hear what he was going to say about money and responsibility. And out of all things that he said yesterday, he wanted to talk about the damn what he should do with these young guys, which I thought was really, really cool and also very poignant and, and critical to, to the uh, the success for, for for younger guys. So can he continue to do it? Absolutely, as long as he wants to. And he can he do it for two years? Absolutely. At the goal line, the, the problem, and, and this is what, what's true, there's no other team except for the Seattle Seahawks that will allow him to do that. You don't think? No way. You don't think like the Eagles going into the playoffs next nope. year would just say like, yeah, hey, let's get him for a week. No, no, <laughs> no. Because I mean, and I, I don't think that he's edgy in this way, but there's a bit of a personality that you have to accept too with Marshawn. And I, I like it. Some coaches would not, it would not fit in their locker room though. I will say to me, one of my favorite moments of all weekend was on Marshawn's I think it was his first touchdown after he scored. They showed him on the bench from that aerial cam. And Russell Wilson comes over, very clean dap, no issues at all. 
and Russell was complimenting him and Marshawn was like kind of like smiling and then smacked him on the butt and it was sort of like this really great moment between the two. And the reason it, it really made me feel a lot was how that team acted towards Russell in the beginning. They treated him bad. They treated him poorly. Yeah. And he wasn't one of the guys. You know, he's the kind of guy that, you know, the Legion of Boom over here is cursing out and Cliff Averill's throwing in an FU and the linebackers are going nuts. And Marshawn was the offense. He was the only guy that was, ex- and Doug Baldwin was a very physical one. And, no, and Russell would be the guy be like, hey guys, language, calm down. And, oh, shut the fuck up. <laughs> but to see Marshawn look up at Russell glowingly, and to see where he had come and to realize, like, it's not my team anymore, and I'm, I'm here for this journey. He understands his space. Combat. That felt really nice to see the, the changing of the guard from there. And because that's always the fear. You bring somebody back, you know, it's it's sort of like, oh, I'm going to do it like I did. No, it's it's not like that kind of team anymore. It's not your team. And, and that's what frustrates me about the play callers, to get back to your question. You know, because I, I like to stay on, on track with these. <laughs> I appreciate that. Which is, which is, <laughs> which is they ran Marshawn as though it was Marshawn five years ago. Yeah. And that's what's so crazy about those play callers, which is. That had nothing to do with the next question. That was the first question. That was, Shut up. The second question had to do was how long can Marshawn continue to do this? Forever. I have to give this one forever. to Lefko because Lefko said three years and you said two years, Westbrook. And I want it to be true for 10 years. Yeah. So I'm just going to go with the higher number right, here. Like in the same way that I want Steph Curry to retire at 40, but then just be available for any team. Just to, to come, come in. Shoot. Yeah, shoot like three threes a game. I saw somebody say this about the game. I think it was John Middlecoff that said Mahomes coming back like that yesterday felt like Steph Curry in peak warriors mm-hmm. where they're down and it seems insurmountable for most teams. And then the crowd starts going nuts and he hits a few big shots and does one of these oh. that gets the crowd. And you're like, they're going to win by 30. And that's what, and, and Mo, the Mahomes Steph Curry comp is like a really good one in terms of like when they're on fire, they're untouchable, but they're like the fan favorite, and they get it going. And, and those teams feel very similar to me. And I, I, go ahead. No, the, the parallel there continues because there were some times where you know he was doing the like the the, the on, give me some crap. sign to the crowd, and you know there were some three hundred pound defenders uh, on the Texans saying like I'm going to knock the crap out of mm-hmm. him, and then they just couldn't. He's just too elusive. He's too good. He's got eyes on the back and the sides of his head. He he's unhittable. It just seems like, and it's he's beautiful. like, he's not that big. And I feel like the same is true with Steph Curry when like he's got thirty nine points through three quarters, and the other team's like, well, we have to knock his on, knock him on his ass, like, and you just can't. Yeah. Or we send him to the line, and he'll hit both of them. Oh, this is a big step for Mahomes. I, I think for him, his confidence, being able to come back in these types of games. And, and obviously, he was he's been excellent all season long for the most part. But I think this is a huge game for him. And young players, young, he's still young in this league. He's a baby. It's the confidence, and, and it continues to build. These situations build your confidence. And I, I, it's hard to think that a team will be able to stop that confidence yes. after a game like this. One thing that I know is motivating the Chiefs right now is uh, – one thing I know is motivating the Chiefs right now is uh, the Revenge Tour 2020. They lost to the Texans in the regular season. Motivated to come back and smoke them. Mm-hmm. Titans, they faced them this weekend. Lost to them in the regular season. It's a lot easier to get up for a game, other than the fact that it's AFC Championship, when you lost to them. Now, they didn't play the Niners, but they did lose to the Packers this this season when Matt Moore came in for the Chiefs. But I know that Revenge Tour 2020 is very real for the Chiefs. 
and I'm I'm curious how long they can keep it going. But it's it's a fun little side narrative that people aren't talking about that I know internally is is a thing. Nice. Uh, shall we move on to Vikings 49ers? Oh yeah. You forgot that there was a fourth game? Well, it was that I think you said this earlier today. Every playoff round needs the obligatory, oh, they're just a lot better than them. You need the one chalk game where the better team beat the lesser team in a variety of ways. They were better offensively, they were faster, they were meaner. When the Vikings started out, run, 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 I went, oh, they're fucked. <laughs> sure. Fucked. No, they had to start that way, though. Did, did you think that the Vikings were just going to come out, seven-step drop, allow the front four from that was sent from hell to just get after their quarterback? No, but, no way they did that. No, but I'm, I'm not lining up and just, like, I'm going to throw in some wrinkles. That's what they do though. I mean, that was, if you watched the Vikings that's all year they, long, that's why they had no chance of winning the Super Bowl. That's true. The Vikings and Seahawks. We, we have been saying you and me, Brian, since like week five, that they're overinflated and they're not built for a Super Bowl because they have unhealthy relationship with run and pass and they don't have the horses. This was a bad matchup for the Vikings. Yeah. Like terrible matchup because you had a team, the Vikings want to be fine, a physical. Fine. So, so to your point, it's a bad matchup. You know what you don't do in a bad matchup? Come out and just run. Make elements. Hurt, right. You you fucking get more creative. Give me a flea flicker. Yeah, Give me dude, something. If you know that you're overmatched, you don't just go, we're going to run it and establish it. Get the fuck out of here. That's what that's that's what they do. That's their calling card, though. Establish a run, play action pass, get deep. I mean, that's what they've done all season. That's the Titans calling card, and they had Derrick Henry throw a touchdown. You know what I mean? Like if even like if anything, if you're known for something, you're primed for the counterpunch. Mm -hmm. Like use that to your advantage. If everyone knows you're going to do this. I need Stefan Diggs throwing a pass. I, 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 maybe I do come out four wide and run it out. Of, run it out of formations you're not expecting. Don't load up against a, a front four that can overmatch. I don't know. See, By the good, way, what, good coaches it? think that way. There are another set of coaches that say this Thank is what you. we do. I'm a good coach, <laughs> and you'll never be a coach. Um, but this is what they do. I don't want to be a coach. And so fuck cold. you. We want to be better. We want to be, want. be better at. <laughs> after I said he was a good coach, yeah, yeah, you'll never be a coach. Was it Sammy Watkins that tried to throw a pass yesterday and just like couldn't yes. get the grip on the ball yeah, or something? No. It was like a nine-second play. Can we teach wide receivers that if there's no one open, throw it away? Yeah, throw it out of bounds. Take don't take an eight-yard eight loss. loss. What are you doing, dude? You don't teach them that. It's just say run it. That's what they say. Just run it. Man, all right, we're gonna run it. Yeah, it's fucking yeah. dumb. All right, easy question, but with a complicated answer. Are the 49ers the best and most complete team left in the playoffs? I'll go first here. I, I um, when, when I watch the 49ers, this is what I see. I see a team that is dominant. Oh, I was, I was thinking. I wasn't. What? You were looking at me concerned. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> see, a lot of peanut gallery just to keep talking, man. I, I, I love talking. I know. It's one of the things you do well, though. It's just good. I, I think they were the most dominant team, physically dominating team, all weekend long. I think we saw them dominate. I'm talking about in the trenches in particular. On the offensive line, they were pushing a very good Vikings defensive line back five, six yards every play, allowing their running backs to not get contact to four or five yards down the field. We saw that. Then we saw the offense just say, okay, you know what? Now we're going to try something different. You think we're going to run? Now we're going to throw the football. 
and they were dominant in that place. And they didn't need a great game from Jimmy G, 131 yards. But because of that threat, now the run game was even more open. And they were able to do it in a variety of different ways, three different running backs just running the ball up and down the field. And then you look on the defensive side of the ball, and they were just nasty, attacking Kirk Cousins all game long. And in a way that if I'm Aaron Rodgers, I'm concerned. How are we going to block these dudes? Aaron Rodgers got beat up a little bit in the previous years. He got hit a little bit this year. I think they did a little bit better of a job of protecting him. But I'm concerned about that front four. I think he got sacked six or seven times the last time they faced each other. Yeah, I would be concerned about that front four. I think that front four— Especially because apparently the Packers O-line has the flu bug. Like Brian Balaga didn't play. You know who started at right tackle? Jared Valdir. Remember the dude that went and signed with the Patriots and retired? That's right. He played the entire game for the Packers yesterday. Here, here's the thing. Isn't that fucking crazy? That's one of the, like, from the woeies. Like, oh, oh yeah. shit, I forgot that that happened. We, that was one of our woe awards. On most, Will you answer his question? I am. I'm getting to that. I'm working my way to <laughs> it. It's a preamble. It's very dramatic. On most good teams. Giving them credit. Defensive teams. <laughs> he forgot <laughs> the question. The, the good thing. I, I did, but. <laughs> the good tell him what it this is. This is a good part about David. He likes a good fucking story, so I'm trying to get <laughs> him a good story. So on most good teams. Subjective. Um. <laughs> You have you have you know a good a good defensive end. You have a good. Where are you? Good, right? <laughs> I'm trying to tell you a story about what's going on with this football team. If you would stop. The question was about off. Carson Wentz. How I did know. we get on this? <laughs> exactly. But on this team in particular, you got Buckner, you got Armstead, you got Bosa, you got Thomas. All of those guys can beat you individually themselves. So you can't double team any of those guys. So when I watch this team, I'm saying this is the most physically dominant football team. In, that is left in the in the playoffs. There's no doubt about it. And then they got an aggressive secondary. Now, to answer your question, Dang. which I have no clue what it is at this point, tell me the question again. No, you cannot. You cannot. You cannot. Tell me the question again. Give a thesis statement, whatever you think the question is. All right. And it's, and and to wrap it up. <laughs> In conclusion, in yes, conclusion. I do think Jimmy G could write a great novel. <laughs> exactly. And... <laughs> in conclusion, I love Kyle Shanahan. I love what he was able to do yesterday. Um, they'll win the Super Bowl, 49ers. Okay. The end. All right, so I believe that while the Niners are complete, I do not think that they're the most complete team in the NFL remaining Final Four. I'm going to give it to the Chiefs. Um, I think the Niners, when you look at them, I was hoping he'd be like, oh, that was the question. Um <laughs> When I, I thought at, that for sure. When I, when I look at the Niners, <laughs> I think that they they really are in terms of what you were saying. Their defensive line, Werner at linebacker, has been amazing. Richard Sherman uh, has been great. Jaquaski Tart, they keep calling him on TV. So I'm gonna say even though it's they get Quan Alexander Jaquaski, back, Quan has been nice. Um, and then offensively, their balance with the running game is phenomenal. But I haven't really seen a game in a little bit. Where, I, where the running game has been taken away and they can go strictly with the passing game. I also saw some holes early on with some of their cornerbacks in that game. And when I look at the Chiefs, the reason I'll say they're more complete is Chris Jones didn't play yesterday. And I believe that Chris Jones individually 
is better than any guy on the Niners' defensive line. Now, their collection is the best collection. Um, and I think DeForest Buckner is phenomenal. I love Chris Jones. Frank Clark, what he did yesterday, Frank Clark and, and Nick Bosa, that can kind of be a wash. Um, having Tyron Matthew in the back and, and all that is great. But also, I look at the fact that the Niners have a backup playing center. And I look at the Chiefs' offensive line and how they operate. They, they Both teams have three running backs that can do whatever you want. The, the Niners wide receivers cannot hold a candle to the Chiefs wide receivers, and the tight ends are an even match. I just feel like when you say complete, we're taking away one, and we need to go to the other. You take away the Chiefs passing game— with those running backs and, and that creative Andy Reid scheme, I think they can run on you. What running backs? Just name one. Williams? Darren and Darrell Williams. We didn't even have to use any LaShaw McCoy. They don't who run my, the football. Who my That's competitor why. That's why. said they were not using to save him for the playoffs. So we got this. We got we'll one of the greatest the running backs of all time. Maybe they're going to save him for the next game. Uh-huh. And you know what? Fine. I feel fine with Tyreek Hill because you know what Tyreek Hill's initial position was when he joined the Kansas City Chiefs? Running back. And if you want to know who he had a 75-yard run, run against in his one of his first carries in the NFL, I say the Tennessee Titans in the year 2017. And you can look that shit up because Ingber knows I got recall like a motherfucker. What does that have to do with anything? It means that they're so complete. They can attack you in any way. I have a little bit of a rebuttal here. So you can't tell me that they're a complete team. <laughs> He's if, mugging right now. If He's they don't have him. a running game. They don't have a running game. Oh, I'm sorry. Did, da- did Darren Williams have like a 25-yard uh, running touchdown yesterday? Sorry. Are you telling me that if the Chiefs take away their pass game, if their pass game is taken away, they can run the ball and win a game? I think that they can. Are you out of your mind? I absolutely think that. Here's the thing. If you take away the run game for the 49ers – if you believe in Kyle Shanahan, if you believe in Jimmy G just a little bit, then that means Kelsey. That means Samuel. That means all the I – I mean, Kittle, not, not Kelsey. They have the ability to get open. Emmanuel Sanders. They have the ability to make plays. So offensively, they are complete. They can run and pass. Defensively, very good in the secondary. Here's the thing, and then you brought up a good point. They were giving up some yards early on. They took Witherspoon out. They made him go play the slot. They changed him. They have great coaching. They're versatile in the coaching standpoint as well. And obviously they have a much better defensive line altogether. You can point out one player that may be better than all one of those, all of those guys individually. It's about a collection of a team. So you can't say complete if you listen unless you're looking at the entirety of the defensive line. You can't bring up one guy and say, oh, they're complete. That's just bull crap. Nice of you to join us in the correct <laughs> <laughs> Now I'm answering the question here. So, I mean, you're talking about complete. I mean, it's just not. It's not. And, and here's the other part. You could keep saying that the tight ends are an even match. That's not true. It, or Either it's not true now or it wasn't true before. Because before you told me that Kittle – Kittles was the best tight end in football, and he was the most I unstoppable. I never said he was the best tight end in football. He was the most unstoppable the weapon. How can you not be the best if you're the most unstoppable weapon in the game? You said offensive weapon. 
I said he was better than Patty Mahomes, better than Aaron Rodgers. He's no, the most stoppable I'm offensive weapon. Non quarterback. See, and this is what somebody does when they're losing. When, when did when did you mention that? When did you mention non quarterback? You I'm said gonna, he's the he's I, the. I'm going to do that thing where I lower my chair really slowly and just like <laughs> slink under the table like a turtle. <laughs> By the way, hold on, just just for clarification, this is Tyree Kill at running back. At running back with a 68-yard touchdown against the Tennessee God, Titans. look at that speed. Look so at him. He's fresh. And this is when people, and that was Kevin Byard following. This is before people knew who Tyreek Hill was. Right. And I remember I was doing videos at the time, and we did a video about how Tyreek Hill should be the starting running back for the Kansas City Chiefs. If they run that play this weekend, I will be so happy if they do that. Now, what do you think about them picking up like Priest Holmes this weekend? Oh. You know, just get him. And just only using him for goal line? That's what I'm saying, yeah. I would love the notion to go back to your Marshawn Lynch thing. <laughs> it was like a celebrity shot in beer pong. Oh, great. Where you get, okay, this is a rule that we could add. A 54th member of your roster. Love Any this. former player yep. that you want to get a ring. Yep. They, they could be used in certain things. So like if the Eagles were like, you know what? We really want Brian Westbrook to get a ring. We're bringing him on. And, like, maybe they use you in victory formation. Mm. Yep. Or, like, you go out there and get one carry. You know who yeah. I've always wanted to get a ring is Wes Welker. The guy was in the trenches for Agreed. the Patriots. He for never a year. won one? He never got a ring. Isn't that crazy? I love Wes Welker. He was, like, a, an incredible Patriot for, like, five or six seasons in a row. Never he got a ring. He was drunk as hell last year in the Final Four because Texas Tech was there. And I got to watch a first half with him and the full game. And it was one of the most fun times I've ever had in my life. How about this? Although Tyree. he did win for the Broncos, sorry. He did. Correct. But just not with the Patriots, Correct. yes. Tyreek Hill, eight carries this year. So, I mean, your running back stats are a little bit skewed. I'm saying that they're so complete if they need him to, but they haven't. Actually, that's more of an argument for me that they haven't needed him to. That's more of an argument that he's not a running back, actually. They, they'll never do that. He could do anything he wants. Julian Edelman jumping on. Who's winning this? Jumping on the hit of a car. I get to that in a second. It's difficult to give the win to someone who clearly and admittedly didn't remember the question prompt midway <laughs> through his answer. Well, had a lot of going on in my mind. <laughs> I, I loved everything you said, but it's like, you know, you can write an essay about anything, but you still have to follow you the prompt. You should have concurred. Um, oh, yeah. By the way, my that was my favorite part of the weekend is Sunday morning. It comes out. Julian Edelman's arrested for a misdemeanor. Jumping on a for car. Jumping on the roof of a car in Beverly Hills. Uh -huh. And then 45 minutes later, Adam Schefter goes, by the way, Julian Edelman played the entire season with an injury. And it was like, <laughs> OK, so what did Edelman text you yeah. to like, but like the cover up of the news story. It's like so blatant. It's like left go PR from like four years ago. Right. If you ever get in trouble, just be like, oh, I, I played injured the entire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's oh, the wow, that's great. But it, it's funny because you know what? If if Odell jumped on the roof of a car, I mean, it would be leading. It would be over all of the playoff stories today. It would just matter of what kind of watch he was wearing at the time. Oh yeah. yeah. Uh, okay. Final question. This is the Vikings 49ers, but it's a question about the Cleveland Browns. Mm. Are they the official winners of the awkward silence bowl when they hire the Vikings OC over the 49ers DC after a performance like that? After he got dominated in the game. They wanted to hire him last year. They, they wanted to hire Paul D. Podesta wanted them to hire. So the, the acting GM, but they ended up hiring Freddie Kitchens. Yeah. They wanted to hire him last year. No, they didn't want to hire him because they didn't hire him. They wanted to. They, they, no. they, they made a bad mistake hiring Freddie Kitchens. Okay. You don't think so? I'll let you finish. I mean, do you, will you agree with that point? All right, I'm just going to go. My, my thing is this. <laughs> I don't know if this ever happened to you guys. I'm not saying it's happened to me. You ever been at a point in your life where you kind of liked 
two people equally and you're like, man, I kind of like them, but I kind of have to decide which one I'm going to date and which one I'm going to say I'm sorry to. And then you start dating one and you go, damn, maybe I should have gone with the other one. That's what this feels like. So what happened is Paul D. Podesta, the GM there, said we should hire Kevin Stefanski last year. They... Baker Mayfield went to uh, Haslam, the owner, and said, I really like Freddie Kitchens. And Paul DePodesta was told, I know that you're recommending him. We're not going with him. We're going to go with Freddie Kitchens. Freddie Kitchens is an abject failure. Everybody else is gone. The only person that survives, Paul DePodesta. So he walks in there and he goes, I still want my guy, Kevin Stefanski. Now, there have been some stories that have come out that, that the coaches had to agree to have an analytics guy with a headset on the sideline during the game that they had to listen to, and they had to submit their playbooks by Friday and let analytics and Paul DePodesta go over it with like a red marker, and, and Stefanski's like, I'm down for all that stuff. And they have a meeting with the owner on Mondays. Now, that sounds crazy. I just watched from All or Nothing with the Dallas Cowboys. Jerry Jones did that, too. Yeah. And that's just so that, that he sounds can go crazy. in and, and it, for them to do that is crazy, yes. which obviously explains the Cowboys. But for me, it's like this, is, this clearly shows that the dude with the juice in the Cleveland Browns right now is Paul DePodesta. And I don't think it's smart to say that one guy is good and one guy is bad because they lost one game, right? Like the... It's a bad, if we say it's a bad matchup between the Niners and the Vikings, then, you know, Robert Saleh is working with a lot more on the, on the defensive side of the ball than Stefanski was offensively. I'm just saying that I, I, it makes you look really, really dumb. Um, and at the same point, I wasn't impressed with Kevin Stefanski all year. To me, the issue apparently with Josh McDaniels was he came into the meeting like like Ben Affleck in Goodwill Hunting and said, if you hire me, everybody should be fired and we should start over. And you can't say that to the people that are hiring you because why would they hire you if you're going to fire them? But the issue is they all need to be fired. All, if you're the Browns, you got to start over. And so the fact that you go, we're going to stay with this guy and we're going to bring in an offensive guy that they ran it more than anybody else has, it makes you look dumb and you can't do it. I'm just, you cannot hire the guy right after you have one of the worst offensive performances in the playoffs since 1985. The biggest need for the Cleveland Browns is development of the quarterback, right? And Stefanski was a steward over an offense. They put up some good points, but their their passing game was average at best. And and I wouldn't say average; they were twenty third in the league in, in the passing game. And so, when you think about Diggs and Thielen, who was hurt a bunch, you think about getting the running back out, Cook on routes and things like that. You have Kyle Rudolph as well. You're saying that's that should be an explosive offense. You pay Kirk Cousins eighty four million guaranteed for a reason because he can throw the ball down the field. That should be an offense that can score a bunch of points and get a bunch of yards. But when you watch that team all year long, to to the point that was earlier made couple runs on first two downs of, of, of a playoff game. Why aren't you more multiple? Why aren't you using more motion? Why aren't you using more shifts? Why aren't you doing a lot of different things? Stefanski didn't do that for this, for this football team this year. That's the disappointing part. And as I watch it, I'm saying, well, how is that going to be different when he gets to Cleveland? Is he going to try something different? Yeah. Or is he a guy that's just going to say, hey, man, 
I'm going to be able to develop the quarterback. That's the question. How good can Baker Mayfield be? And I, I would say that he probably could help him, but he had a great opportunity with this offense to win a bunch of games because you had all the pieces there this season, and they underachieved. I, you know, I, I'm not saying it's not going to be a good hire because I think there's a bunch of talent on the Cleveland Browns, but you have to question what have you done with the talent on the team that you're with. And if I look at this offense, I'm saying they, they score a bunch of points, 25 points a game, but how good could they have been if they would have had more production in the past game, which is exactly what you need in Cleveland. The run game is going to be good with Nick Chubb. You already know that. But you're going to have to score the football, especially in that conference. And I'm not sure that he's the guy that's going to be able to get them over the top in that category, and most importantly, Baker Mayfield. One thing I will say is if Paul DePodesta is the guy, like if he is actually – they have been listening to this entire time, and let's say he was in there as part of their draft picks, whether it was like Miles Garrett and all that stuff – Going towards analytics is a step forward if they were not that before. And listening to Warren Sharp all year, they were ignoring analytics all year with the amount of times they would play 11 personnel and constantly have an issue. If you mix the fact that Kevin Stefanski played a ton of double tight end, so we're either in 12 or 21 with them, which is something that the Browns needed to do this year. He does come from a team where he had really two wide receivers and nobody else. It was Ola B.C. Johnson was the third wide receiver. And in in Cleveland, they don't really have that third guy. So he's used to two wide receiver offenses. But if Paul DePodesta is a little bit like Howie Roseman, and they're trying to incorporate a lot of analytics, which I know the Eagles do, and can optimize it, then maybe it will be the guy. I just know that I've never seen Kevin Stefanski seem like the guy. And really what I wanted for the Browns was the adult in the room where I don't need a guy finding his footing. That's what we talked about with Baker Mayfield, with Freddie Kitchens. We needed someone to go to Baker and go, stop fucking talking in the press conferences like that. Needed to go to Odell and to Jarvis to go, I got this. And to go up there and take it. And so what I don't see from Kevin Stefanski right now, at least, is really kind of what I saw out of Joe Judge with the New York Giants, where sure it was a little bit of like monarchy and all that stuff, but the standing up there and being like, I'm the guy. And I I really wanted somebody that was a little bit more established. I wanted like a Jim Caldwell. I wanted a guy that had been there before that can look at them and go, you're not bigger than me. Because the true thing is, is Baker is bigger than Kevin Stefanski. Mm. I, thought that, I thought that they said they wanted a, a veteran head coach when they were looking for coaches. That was the Giants. No, 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 no. That was the, Must have been um, the Panthers. Had to be the Panthers. Cowboys. Cowboys said we want an experienced coach, and that's why they hired McCarthy. But the Browns are, are still a mess. Well, the Browns are taking a flyer. I mean, at this point, you don't know what Stefanski is because he's never been a head coach. That's the, and you don't know. And so they're taking the flyer again and just had a, a few years of taking a flyer. And hopefully he could find a way to get Baker Mayfield. And I think that the time in, in Philly yeah. may, may have may have said that. I have one more storyline that goes back to you. When Josh McDaniels went to the Colts and it was set and he already he went and got his coordinators right. and all that stuff. And then the story was that Bill Belichick brought in Josh McDaniels, sat him down and said, Josh, this is the first time I've ever said this in the 20 plus years I've been in New England. I want you to be my successor. I'm going to give you the keys to the castle. I'm going to teach you things that I have not taught anybody. And you know what music started playing? 
that I'm curious that Belichick said something he's never, in essence, saying, I want you to be my football son. I have a son, but I want you to be my football son. And the very next offseason, Josh McDaniels brings his wife to Cleveland and says, to some extent, it's my dream job to go get the Cleveland Browns. How does Belichick feel about this? There was another story that Belichick would not let Josh McDaniels travel on certain days. I just think that Belichick has never gone to a coach of all the guys that have moved on to head coaching jobs and said, you're the one. How does Belichick feel the fact that Josh, the next offseason, said, Browns? He feels the exact same way that Logan felt in the final moments of the second season, which if you haven't seen it yet, come on, man. Like, it's been out for months. But, like, he has a little smile on his face where he's like, yes, I've raised a killer. That's what I wanted. I wanted my, my, my guy to go out there and not just be my prodigal son for the rest of my life. I want him to go out and try to destroy me next season as the head coach of an adversary. I, I think he looked Don't over. Don't you think he'd be proud? I think, I think he, he looked be. over at Stephen Belichick and he was like, stop slurping your soup. <laughs> you're ruining this. If you're the Browns, you wanted leadership in the room. You wanted someone to be the boss. You wanted someone to be able to say what you mentioned about yeah. to, to Baker. We don't know if Stefanski is that guy, but we do know that there was a point in this last season where the quarterback has some problems with the receivers. They're talking back and forth in the media, same type of thing. And I'm not saying it wasn't to the yeah. point where the Browns were at, but this happened on the team that he just came from. So You're you right got, with Kirk Cousins. Yeah, you, you, you got you to wonder – if that's the right leadership, the strong leadership that you're looking for. Yeah. It's just also to uh, an entire week where we talked about lack of minority head coaches, the fact that their offense gets destroyed and immediately as the clock hit zeros, Mm -hmm. that coach is hired. It just makes you look at it and go, look, like I know Cliff Kingsbury had a pretty good year with Arizona. The fact that he gets hired when he had a losing record at Texas Tech, mm-hmm. and then this guy gets a chance, it's not about, apparently it's not about resumes. Apparently it's just about if we get along with you well. Mm-hmm. And and what it sounds like at Cleveland, it's like, who's going to come in here and do exactly what we say? And to that I would go, Cleveland, when have you ever shown that somebody should abandon their identity to be guided by you? Ever. It's never worked. So why would a coach agree to that? I, don't, I feel bad for that fan base. I really do. Am I? Yeah. I, <laughs> I don't know. I'm not a Cleveland Browns fan. Yeah, sure. Say whatever you want. Okay. Um, <laughs> Say whatever you want. <laughs> I, I thought you were looking to me for, like, either backup or opposition. Advice. Oh, I sort of have neither. for your advice. Um, overall, I thought it was a pretty good divisional game, a divisional round. Um, it was wild. I thought that Texans Chiefs was a lot of fun. Uh, I can't imagine what, what people's Twitter accounts were like that are like the hot take machine. I think Greg Rosenthal said it was a banner day for people that that like to tweet that didn't age well. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought Titans Ravens. I'm a little bit disappointed. I'm proud of the Titans. At the same point, I really wanted to see Chiefs Ravens. I just thought that could have been really, really special. This is one of my takes that I have no numbers to back up, but I feel like when in October or November we all believe something is a foregone conclusion as an AFC yes. or NFC championship game, it, it is never, never the case. Ever. Two years ago, it was Patriots versus Steelers was the guaranteed AFC championship game, 
And of course, the Jaguars beat the Steelers. Yes. Like it's whenever there's a guaranteed like all collision course, Mahomes versus Lamar Jackson. We're all excited to see it. I mean, it's the one and two seed in the NFC, but I don't think anyone thought Packers 49ers was a foregone conclusion in no. any way, right? No. But on the AFC side, everyone thought that. So of course, if you're a gambler, you know it's not going to happen. Um, what is the Super Bowl matchup you want the most, and what's the one you want the least? The one I want the most is Niners Chiefs. The one I want the least is Packers Titans. Packers Titans, like I don't even want to go. I want to see uh, Packers versus Chiefs because it's the Gabe Gabriel Bowl. Okay, so ditch the playbook. The show that I do is sponsored by State Farm. Shout out to our, the people and that I'm, butter the I'm bread. I'm telling you right now, if it's Mahomes Rogers, that company, they're going to go crazy. <laughs> Holy crap! I also feel like. We're kind of Team State Farm in a way. That's what I'm saying. They're I mean, our do you daddy. What, do you know what Ingber's name is still in my phone? I do not. State Farm. Really? <laughs> yeah. Because there was one time where I was doing fake phone calls in the car, and I and he had called me with State Farm, and he was like, it'd be a pretty funny gag if like a week from now, every time I texted you, it said State Farm. And I've been running <laughs> with that bit for months. I've never changed it. So now I just text him with like insurance fraud, you know, <laughs> yeah. just so that he freaks out when he sees his phone. What's the Super Bowl matchup you want the most? I kind of want to see as much. I love, I love San Francisco. I love the way they play. I want to see Rodgers versus uh, Mahomes. Mahomes. Yeah. I, I just want to see them outdo each other. Just go figure out. Just throw the ball. Just... It was a great Sunday night game, and that was with Matt Moore. Yeah. Like that was a great game, even without Matt. No that run was plays. Game I saw in London. Just throw it fifty times and see who's better. That's that's what I want to figure out. Especially because I I believe that Rodgers for a long time was the best player at that position in terms of his ability to throw Mm -hmm. from every angle and all that stuff. I mean, when you have Marshawn Lynch go into the Packers locker room after the game to do a jersey swap, the way the reverence that players have for Aaron Rodgers is the way I feel like they already have for Mahomes. And it will feel like a But they they went to school together too, right? They did. They They did the same. Yeah. What's the one you want the most? Uh, well, it's funny because like, if you do Titans 49ers, then I can root for both Mike Vrabel and I can root for Jimmy G. It's like former, like Patriots love, keep it in the family. So if the Patriots aren't going to win, there's a little bit of like, Hey, those are still my guys in a way. Like, I I don't know. I've always had love for Jimmy G. I wanted him to be our successor and be our quarterback for the next 15 years. And you know, he's killing it over in 49er land. So let's, let's root for that. And the Titans, like who's not enjoying the hell out of watching this Titans team. Right. I mean, a six seed going all the way. It's just incredible. It is fun. Yeah, it is fun. But I don't know. I think I think Chiefs Niners is like Kyle Shanahan versus Andy Reid. You know, like one of those oh, X's are, and O for sure. I mean, I feel like all four of the possible matchups. I kind of I don't really want to see a lot of defense. I want to see a lot of scoring. That's why I'm going uh, Packers Chiefs. Yeah, I just want to just score. Just do that, and, and we'll be fine. A uh, Wednesday, I believe. Amani Toomer is joining us? That is correct. It's on the schedule. So uh, that'll be a lot of fun. We'll bring out the cup. And then we're getting ready for championship week. Yes. Next week, we're going to do one podcast on Monday. And that is, I believe, going to be it. Uh, And then the week after that, it's Miami. Miami So we're going to have a Super Bowl preview uh, that's going to come out Monday of Super Bowl week. uh, And I believe it's going to be you, me, and David Deal breaking it down. Get the big man in here. I mean, we've had his braces picture up here the (laughs) entire time. And then Thursday, Friday, we're going to be doing some pods. I know you're doing – I think I'm doing a pod with Warren on Thursday. And then we're doing a big kind of celebratory pod late Mm -hmm. Friday. We're going to have a bunch of different interesting guests and then uh, Tuesday of that week, to all the homies that have supported me for a long time, 
Tuesday the 28th, I'm doing Inside the NBA on TNT Tuesdays with Wade, Shaq, and Candace Parker. Nice. And that's going to be fucking crazy. Nice. So I'm going to need everyone's help. As everyone as everyone tweets, who the fuck is this guy? Where the fuck is Ernie Johnson? I need you guys in the mentions being like, That's no, Candace I, Parker. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Brian Westbrook's favorite analyst, Candace She's Parker. She's my favorite. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, Westbrook will be watching for Candace Parker and go, oh, Lefko, pretty good. Uh, Lefko, I, I remember that guy. But Miami will be fun. Miami will be great. Are you, have you been doing your push-ups? Yes, actually, that was going to be my you, like ending thought. So I, I can do 45 in a row. Wow. But the main thing that I wanted to get out to everybody is that we're doing 20,000 push-ups in the year 2020. It's about 55 a day. And if you want to get on it, it's only two weeks into January Ooh, right now. Who is we? Who is this week? Me Connor and a couple Rogers. of dudes. That, that, yeah, really? Connor Rogers is sick to football and Sean McManus who sits next to me. And we're, we're hoping to get cool. a couple more people on it. 20K. Because 55 a day is not a ton. No. Or you go, you know, 100 every couple of days, whatever it is. But it's the consistency and it's the staying with it and it's not, you know, falling off for two yeah. weeks. Yeah. Ingber, Ingber starts like bouncing his pecs now in meetings. Ah. <laughs> Just, the Terry Crews. That's the sound effect. <laughs> it comes with his pecs. So, yeah, if you'd like to join me out there, 33%, 20,000 push-ups in the year 2020. Let's go. You know what, though? If you're going to do a podcast, you got to kind of do 33,000. Oh, my so, God. Sorry. <laughs> if, that means you have to do 85 a day. <laughs> yeah, that's up there. That's probably close to like 90 a day. All right. Your math is accurate. That would be that would the greatest rate. Let's, let's see. Let's just check. It is just 366 see. days this year, so there's plenty of wiggle room. Yeah, my brother's getting married on leap day. Nice. And he keeps going, I'm only going to have to get an anniversary gift every four years. I go, okay. That's not accurate. Yeah, let's see how that goes. <laughs> 90. Right. Thank you, guys. Pretty close. Yeah, not bad. Uh, appreciate y'all. Uh, for Brian Westbrook. The Rocket Man. For David Ingber. The Rocket Fan. 20K in 2020. <laughs> there it goes. <laughs> you two make me sick. <laughs> On the LAFKOE, man. Well, holla, holla. Well, I'll drink water, too. Later. <laughs> <laughs>